0: what's up mr ira cooper welcome to bridge the gap my name is holden stefan roy and this is in fact a show where we talk to interesting people such as yourself Ooh. and we go through the story of your lives and we try to extract some knowledge nuggets for the found people out there so that we can all enhance our betterments typically we go through this with uh more of the rappers in the hip-hop world is primarily thing but we do want to expand to all kinds of stuff so y'all watching this may be like what happened what's going on why is there some dude from vancouver that's a playwright in Holden's crib fair enough these are all valid questions where um in this case he hit me with an email and said something about fringe festivals and whatnot and i was like that doesn't sound boring (laughs) 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 and here we are on some impromptu last minute stuff what up everybody anyhow uh to get everything started we're still going to run through the regular format because you do do the singings and has the musicals so my yeah, yeah. opening questions still gonna function correctly so in order for everything to make sense what i need you to just do is tell us all a little bit where you were born and where you start off your life
1: my name is Ira Jacob Cooper. I was born on the traditional and unceded territories of the Musqueam, tsleil and Squamish nations, also known as Vancouver, BC, British Columbia, Canada. I was born at VGH Hospital on February 2nd, 84. That
2: that,
0: that That's dope. That's a good okay, start. Sweet. Okay. Dope. So I'm going to go to Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, island, uh, the island or the city?
1: I Well, I was born in the city of vancouver but mm. i've now moved to the island
0: okay so you're you started in the city because yeah yo, even from one sure, show i wasn't aware at first that those were separate things until at some point i learned they were but yeah. <laughs> um so with that uh my, i do have an opening question i like to ask everybody it's a bit of a story and when it lands you can kind of take it in whatever direction it all starts out with my girlfriend she washing the dishes one time She's got her phone open, and she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song. The, I got a feeling. Mm-hmm. Ooh, she's vibing. She's dancing. She's doing her thing. I look at her, and I have this thought. I'm like, when in the fuck did this song become chores Music? Because like, if you think about this track and you run it back 10, 11 years, it's middle of the night club banging anthem everybody jumping around doing their thing but then you run it like 10 years in the future you know the song doesn't change at all because it's a song but we as people change so much that the context that the song goes from being the celebration moment to this song that we put on when we were super bored doing repetitive work and wishing we were in that celebration moment it got me thinking about the 20 year olds and how they are clubbing and drilling and doing all their stuff and they do not know that they will be washing the dishes to this kind of music one day and it's the future soundtrack of their chores they don't know that when I heard pop smoke I started washing dishes and vibing to pop smoke in the shower and all this other stuff they don't know that that's how the cycle of life goes and I say all this because as people Involved in music and whatnot, we go on these journeys with music and it evolves and it changes so much throughout the different phases of our lives. And um so often when you do watch interviews and you do hear people talk about their musical journeys, they always start at this like adolescent phase, like yo, I got into rap when I was twelve, or my first favorite songs when I was eleven, and I started singing and it's like that's cool but that's not really like the beginning of the story like there's a good chance that when you popped out in vancouver in the hospital as a little baby there was a song playing in the room you might not remember it but there was something being absorbed by you like i can remember being like five years old up in the apartment in montreal and yo my dad had these gray boxes all over the room there was the amp and the preamp and the tape deck and the radio and all these wires going out to the little ghetto surround sound speakers that we had going in the room uh he would busting his little Led Zeppelin tapes during the daytime and at nighttime. It would be like the MC Mario club mix and things like that coming straight from the clubs of Montreal. And my mom's it was more like discos and musicals and Disney's and all this whole other vibe. And uh, yeah, it got me realizing that that stuff kind of influenced and impact me to this day almost as much as anything that I liked when I got into music myself because I had no choice on what I was listening to back then. So I was hoping, Mr. Ira, that you could run us all the way back to being the youngest person you could remember and tell us a little bit about what it sounded like to be you growing up before you had control over the music?
1: I think the first song that I remember is Layla. Uh, yeah, I think that was the first thing. My dad was a is a music teacher, and he used to teach out in the studio. And so I would hear, like, really bad covers of everything from the 80s and 90s because my room was, like, really close to the garage where he was teaching at. Um, I mean, I also heard some cool stuff because he brought in, like, Back in the day, he he brought in White Snake and Loverboy, and he, like, did some vocal lessons with them, and that sounded good, but most of the time, it was, like, like Tina Turner, and, like... And then he would sing, and he's got a good voice, so I remember that. Uh, So that's that influence. And then also, I went to a Jewish camp, so I had a lot of, like, songs drilled into me that I didn't really have a choice to learn, like, about camp, which was, like, songs where it was, like the translation from Hebrew is like, uh, you're on an island, we don't have enough water for showers, but we got food. You know Welcome what? to Camp Miriam.
0: Bro, I kinda relate to that shit. I did <laughs> one year of Jewish camp when I was a kid. I went to Camp B'nai B'rith, and I will never forget how they'd be like making us sing like uh like something like Buddha, Katadanoi, whatever. We give oh, thanks yeah. to God for bread and we'd be like these fucking prayer camp songs yeah.
1: see we didn't do the prayers we were like we were like pretty um neutral on the prayers it was like pretty open we like had sessions about like does god even exist like they were pretty mm. and most of it wasn't religion most of it i mean most of it was like just a bunch of horny teenagers kind of shoved in on an island and like forced to figure out what that all meant yeah and that's uh it that's like, like yeah birthright What?
0: This just sounds like birthright. Yeah. No, I went
1: on something like that. That was connected to my camp. That was called MBI. And we all went. There was 160 kids from all over the US and Canada just shoved onto like five buses and hormones raging. And we were like, whoa, these Americans are way farther advanced than us. And we don't, we're scared of them because they know more about sex than we do. And, you know, it scared us as Canadians. It's like... Humble.
0: that's fucking hilarious because if you do run shit back up to being like in the 90s and whatnot canada was a little bit back on media yeah so a little more conservative yeah. a little less out there it wasn't yeah. the same as nowadays where they're basically the same countries all i'm saying
1: yeah yeah no i remember this is true and like my like if family didn't know like i mean one of the first thing, albums i got was west side connection uh, and I and I bumped it in my car. So before, yeah, sorry, before I, sorry, all, sorry, all that, I skipped over, let's let's yeah. jump back so, yeah, to like jump. when
0: you were young. What did your so your, your what did your parents actually listen to outside of like the teaching side of it? Like, what would, if you guys yeah. was in the in the car? What were they bumping?
1: Uh, Pointer Sisters, uh, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, R and B, Soul. Um, yeah, my dad loved that sort of stuff. Sam Cooke. Um, uh, Gloria Gaynor, um, that sort of world—that was kind of what 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 I was brought into. So R and B.
0: So you was all listening to that. And at what point does music become more like a focus for you? Or outside of that, did you have other passions as like a little? One? Let's say like before ten.
1: Before ten, uh, I mean, I got introduced to hip hop by my neighbor when I was four and a half, um, because he was three years older than me so he listened to cube 93.3 fm out of seattle and i was like oh what's this and he like
0: you got like the american radio like that
1: yeah he like somehow made it over and it was like pretty grainy and we would all like stand at the top of the hill and be like yeah yeah and go on keith sweat uh and stuff like that like and so i was introduced to that stuff and so when music became mine like where it kind of shifted and i started to the lyra had his own passions my my original passions were yeah early on before 10 freestyle um because i had a that friend uh i i wanted to be a paleontologist hey,
0: that's dope
1: it didn't ha- i then i got a book on it and i didn't want to be a paleontologist anymore
0: i totally respect that ambition i feel like a lot of us had that experience <laughs>
1: We got the book and then we were like, Oh, this involves like a lot of a
0: lot of boring.
1: Yeah, we're digging we're like sitting in a desert and we're just like digging.
0: Plus a lot of reporting.
1: Yeah, a lot of writing, a lot of like a lot of jargon terms. Yeah. Yeah. Not as is it's not it's not Jurassic Park, apparently. Nah. But
0: that that would be late. It doesn't it's not like or for me Lamb before time was pretty <sighs> late.
1: I could talk hit. an hour for that about like that.
0: <laughs> But, like, when you were young, because, like, you end up going on to being now in, like, musicals and stuff. Were you, like, interested in this, like, play stuff back then? Or was, like, movies and stuff a big fascination for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I, I guess, like, a big fascination for me was, um, yeah, I got into, my parents uh, sent me to sent me to a community center. And were like, hey, you take this acting class at a community center. So, I did that. How old at, were you? I was uh Four. And so so
0: four, you're being exposed to the whole damn world.
1: Yeah, four was a big year. Then I got my dad's camera at four and a half, five, f- five, five and a half. And then I started making stop-start animation films because I couldn't hire any actors, so I used my Lego. And I had an old camera, so I had to record, and it would record for way too long, so I'd have to rewind, pause, record, rewind, pause, record, because it just like, yeah.
0: yeah. I heard of people doing some wild shit with, like, stop pause mixtape shit but i ain't heard of anybody making lego stop animation movies in like what the 80s
1: oh yeah yeah that's what i did that was that was my jam that was my jam
0: like you you're like a few years older than me based on that so like i'm like alive now just coming out and you're already making stop animations but you're not yeah. even like like that's really young. you're not even in school yet
1: no no i was like uh, yeah i mean i was i, I don't, it's not it's not like like if you saw them you'd be like oh that might have been
0: bro you're saying yeah. you're like <laughs> these days if a four and a half year old can be doing anything they could be getting rich
1: <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't put those like it was just like i mean it's kind of like the the theater it's like just allow allows you don't even have to like the difference between film and theater a lot of the time is that you don't have to have the the budget i guess you don't like if you're in a place you're like you know, you make a little scene with the, the Lego, and you're like, oh, I have a whole world now. Like, I got a world. And, whereas, and that made sense to me. Like, a little kid, I was little. What can I control? I can control these little guys, and I can make a move. And, uh,
0: That's wild still, man. I, I just think it's impressive when I hear the innovations that little ones get when they get access to technology, because yeah. it's not that different than giving a kid a phone today.
1: No. No, not at all. No. And, I mean, I'm a teacher, too, so I mm-hmm. see little ones, like, with with iPads making mad films.
0: Yeah, still it's dope, it's still. Dope. But you was doing it before it was viable and most of us had access to any of this shit because you guys just did. Yeah. And so you you uh pursue that I guess throughout your childhood.
1: Yeah, yeah, I kept uh, took acting classes and uh did the whole like try to get an agent try to try to i went I Like
0: child acting agent stuff
1: yeah 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 like i i was really into it it like grades it's shifting ahead to like grade seven so i'm like 12 13 uh yeah i tried to get an, an, an agent uh, and uh because i was doing musicals at school or like yeah i did Fiddler on the roof which is the most jewish musical and mm-hmm. all my family have been in it my dad my uncle we've all played parts in it. it's it's kind of kind of stereotypical but it's funny
0: (laughs) it's a family tradition it's a family tradition if i'm not mistaken with jewishness as long as it becomes a tradition within your own family it overrides actual jewish canon
1: yeah totally totally now
0: it's like your family has to do this play yeah it's tradition
1: yeah yeah my sister's gonna have a kid i don't know soonish and uh they're gonna have to be in fiddler on the roof (laughs) that makes total sense shout out to my my nephew or niece that's not born
0: so y'all doing this through like school or is there like also other extracurriculars or like community stuff that's going on because i don't know a lot about vancouver but you're making it sound more hollywood than i'm used to
1: yeah i mean it's hollywood north so we've got uh yeah there was this lady named tarlington carol tarlington back in the day and she ran this program outside of school and i went would go like on the weekends to tarlington training and we would have classes And then there was some stuff in school, too, like I did, but I did like both. I did like outside of school and inside of school because I just like couldn't get enough. I like wanted to create and I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to like not be, you know, I was also kind of an outcasty kid and it like centered people. They like kind of had to watch me because I'm on stage. So I like found it as a perfect outlet for that.
0: Were you like writing your own plays and stories and things like that, or was it more like focused on the
1: acting? Back then back then it was more more focused on the acting, I would say. I mean I wrote those little film things, but I didn't start like writing writing till till high school, I would say.
0: So you just got like a whole bunch of acting lessons as a kid and yeah. then took advantage of whatever acting opportunities appeared. And y'all are filming this, creating a little portfolio and stuff at the same time?
1: No. I had no idea what to do. In fact, I was, like, kind of pushing against the system. And, like, I was like, no, I'm going to make it on my own. I don't need this. But I was just really scared. I didn't want to. I was really scared of the whole acting. I, like, loved it. But I also was like, I just want to. This is a good level. This is, like, a good level. I don't actually really want an agent. I just want to just do community theater or, like, whatever this is. And I'm good. Like, I'm getting my my kicks doing this. This is, like, a little high school or... Yeah.
0: Middle, or you guys have middle school? I don't know.
1: How, uh, don't some know some places have middle school. I went to just high school. Grade eight, they just jumped me into like eight to twelve. So
0: grade seven is not high school. No, that's fucking wild. Grade seven's high school here.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh grade eight is high school. Grade eight to twelve is high school here. Yeah. yeah. So right. I did I did uh, yeah right in grade eight was drama, j- junior drama, then senior drama, and then uh, we had a specialized program in my school. And I and I went to that and I was I was doing plays and that's when I started writing.
0: Okay. Was there like stuff that tie iterate or was it more like you've been like, I've been in enough of these motherfuckers, I can write my own play.
1: I uh, my first thing that I tried to write was I, I like watched uh you know, I saw Grease and Hair and I was like, Hair is dope, Grease is um but like hair is dope and I was like <sighs> I wanna write I wanna write something like that for my generation oh i also was obsessed with rent that musical rent and that south park makes fun of
0: all i can tell you about rent is i worked at the video store when it came out like yeah. on dvd and every time i would come in to shift the girl would have it playing and it was always the second half of the movie so i saw the second half of the movie without seeing the first half like oh, wow. 30 times oh wow yeah Before i saw the, I, it's not my cup of tea
1: yeah no it's i mean yeah it, it was it. But it
0: it's yeah. colorful and interesting.
1: Yeah, and I I didn't see the movie. I like when I was doing it. It was just a play, and the play. I'd say the movie is like.
0: Like when you say the play, you mean like y'all like would perform this shit or there would be like local rendition so this is like before it went mainstream and i was getting exposed to this shit
1: yeah no it was it was uh it's released in 94 or the original original was 94 and then 96 was when it really really came out and the playwright died he had an aneurysm before the show like was opened and it went on broad off off broadway and it becomes usually what it becomes is becomes a CD. So before it becomes like any sort of movie, it, they release like a the original cast recording of it. Um, okay. So I listened to that. I didn't even see it before. I was just obsessed with the songs. I was like, these are dope songs. They're like about real, real stuff. Or it felt like real stuff to me comparatively to like. Does it sound like the movie versions or? Yeah, Ishley, Ishley. Yeah, yeah. There's like there's some little bit of difference, but uh, yeah, it's pretty much that. I I just knew that like I wasn't actually a big fan of musicals to be honest. Like I actually want I I was like plays and musical like I liked this one, but I didn't like most musicals because I thought they like had no no point. I didn't get it.
0: I'm gonna be with you. Um, I was not a musical fan. To this day, I find them very. Tenacious D and The Pick of Destiny was a very helpful yeah. musical. Yeah, it was a very helpful one to help me understand that musicals could be in other genres of music than show tune. Yeah, and then I realized I'm not a huge fan of show tunes, which is yeah the issue with musicals I find. Yeah, but that's me too. Yeah, they're fine.
1: I yeah, mean, they're fine. They're totally. I can agree with that. They're they're just fine. They have a place for some people. In a lot hearts. of people. Yeah,
0: you know, people that love this shit, love this shit hard. Yeah. Though so I would go see the Alanis Morissette musical. I had the yeah. chance to. I did not. But I'd be more open to that one Me than too. others. Me too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I, I wrote a music... I tried to write a musical.
0: And at right. this point, what kind of music do you like? Then, Oh, Are you, like, doing singing? Or are you, like, performing music in any way? Or is it more just by virtue of the shows you're singing and shit?
1: Like now? No. No, no. Like back then. Oh, back right? then. Back then, I'm singing because of the shows that I'm put in um and I'm but I'm writing because because the the freestyling just wasn't enough and I realized that I wanted to tell yeah you know, it sounds like a, a like a typical thing but like I wanted to tell some stories I had some stories to tell I got a story to tell
0: and you said you, the freestyling you were, when did you start freestyling
1: Ooh, like, I would say uh, 10, 9, around there. Yeah, because I had, I had um, a camp. Uh, I went to the same camp as Seth Rogen, and uh, he uh, he ran this, like, interest group. He also went to school with me. He was my lunch monitor. It wasn't very nice.
0: Seth Rogen was your fucking lunch <laughs> monitor? Yeah,
1: yeah. He also, like, one time told me, like, because I was an annoying kid, and he made, he made me pick up, like, 1,300 pine cones, and I did. I, like, went, and then I brought them to him at the end of, like, the day at camp, and I was like, here's your 1,300 pine cone, what next? Like, just to be so facetious. And he was like, <laughs> "Um, He sounded like that back then, too. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a, like, it's not a... It's not a weed thing with his like laugh it's just it's just it's his just, laugh it's just him yeah 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 so uh yeah i went to camp and he ran this like freestyle thing
0: you picked up 1300 pine guns for seth Rogen yeah. on some teenage bullshit
1: yeah and he remembered it too like i hit him up a couple years ago uh, like maybe in 2010 he posted a picture of him on twitter that was like him with like some like blonde hair that i remember like, he dyed his hair blonde. And he was like, hey, rem- hey, this, this is me, like, from back in the day. And I was like, I remember this Seth Rogen. Love Mr. Informer. And he was like, dude, I still talk about that story all the time. Because I used to perform Informer by Snow at camp. I had memorized Snow, all the uh, words. And Seth remembered this because he also did stand-up at camp. And nobody th- thought it was funny. and But people thought it was great. The Informer was great that I did. Yeah.
0: So you outshone Seth Rogen yeah. once upon a time. Once upon a time. But he
1: made you pick up
0: pine cones, so it's kind of
1: even. It's kind of even. And he also became, like, a superstar. So facts. Seth it's Rogen kind of still pretty, uneven. It is
0: pretty, He is pretty, like, big out there. And then he went on to do that, like, super noble speech in front of Congress and yeah. everything. Like, he'd be doing things that yeah. are, like, good for yeah. the world with his position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless something bad comes out to this day, I still think it's a shout out Seth Rogen. Yeah, like shout out dude. Seth Rogen. I Hit like me up a lot. I mean, at least when I was younger and a lot more Stone Stone, his movies were wonderful. Yes, yes, they were. I was definitely the right age for that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you went to camp with Seth? R- that was like a lot of years, or was it just like a like was he like in in your life for a minute, or was it like a couple of years?
1: Well, he was in my life uh so i went i mean he was in my life through all elementary school he's a couple years older than me so all throughout elementary school i went to school with him that's wild still. and so then he went to camp every summer at the same camp as me so i don't know like for five six years he went to camp maybe 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 less a little bit but
0: that's it like, That's that's wild man just to think you could be around somebody like that and now they're like one of them superstars. yeah
1: yeah i didn't like him at all back then too like, or maybe I didn't not like him, but he was a bu- like he was one of the bully kids. So
0: fair, and now he uh, plays that guy in movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, now he plays that guy in movies. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you basically
0: ran through uh, the camps. You you kind of did all of this play stuff. You start writing your stuff in like yeah. high school teenage years, and then do you actually get to perform something you wrote at that
1: point, or is it just kind of no run in that no. No, no. I I I I hit it. I didn't want to release it. I wrote a lot. I wrote this musical called The Bell. And it was like uh about it was basically a ripoff of like let's pick all the characters in high school and make them like one kid was going to be the hip-hop kid and one kid was going to be the goth. Like I just built a bunch of like stereotypical kids, but that, of people that I knew and I just put them in the these boxes. And it was kind of a way for me to write hip-hop because I wrote this one character more than any of the other characters. Like, there was all these other characters in different musical genres, but mostly I just wrote for the hip-hop character. But, I, I mean, I still remember some of the songs. Like, some of the songs are still in my head. Um, but I never performed them. Like, I never did any... think like, I would perform them at parties. I'd get. I sit at the piano and play my, my janky piano playing, which, because I'm not a pianist at any level or any instrument player at all. Now. Um, yeah so but you can dabble I dabble yeah yeah that's
0: important stuff I suppose if you're gonna write a musical is to have at least the top level
1: yeah yeah I've got the dabbling yeah I, I there's music in my head it just doesn't translate to me playing stuff
0: mm. I've had to be a producer pretty well though yeah not in like the engineer kind of version but more of the tell the engineer what to do kind of version yeah 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 understood so like what happens then after high school for you
1: after high school, I uh, I go to I go to university. I do a couple shows outside of high school, but mostly I go to university for theater, and that takes me like to two thousand. Which university? I went to UBC, University of British mm-hmm. Columbia, uh, the theater program there because there's the there was the hardcore theater program, and I felt like I was kind of ready for it. The Studio Fifty Eight at Langara College, they've got this like intense, and I'd gone to a bunch of adult classes after high school, like. You know, those type of theater classes where you, like, cry. Like, you're supposed to, like, really... It's, like, um, uh, method acting. Like, Stanislavski's Mm. method acting. And so I went to a couple of these schools and, like, cried a bunch and got angry at inanimate things that I was pretending were blah, blah, blah. Uh, (laughs) And uh, (laughs) then I went to... Then I went to the Studio 58 audition and actually literally ran out of the audition. Was like, I'm this is too freaky. And so I went to UBC and tried again. Got in that program and then did a bunch of plays there, and still didn't write anything. But did a bunch of plays.
0: This is the early mid 2000s. This is
1: yeah. This is takes you from 2000. I graduated in 2002, and so 2004 2007. I was in the UBC theater program and uh, yeah, I did a bunch of plays there. Got to flex my comedy muscle and I also got to create a bunch a bit uh we did a show called Diary of a Madman which went to the Czech Republic to a Setkani International uh, Theater Festival
0: does that mean you guys went to the Czech Republic and did your play yeah like you guys went on tour or not on tour you guys got invited out to do the show yeah Trying to equate this into concert terms.
1: And yeah, 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 yeah. We got invited to do the show. Yeah, yeah. We we did three shows in one day in Brno, Czech Republic.
0: We had to do the show three times in one day. It was terrible. That sounds like. Do y'all have good vocals? Right? No, nah,
1: and it wasn't. A, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a musical. It was a absurdist Russian play that a guy that we like took the a short story of this guy and turned it into a play it's by gogol nikolai gogol and it's called diary of a madman that's the short story as well it's about a guy who slowly loses it he's it's like one of the first examples of um i always forget what it is an unreliable narrator he 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 like starts going off and you tell as the narrator as the reader that he's like completely not not telling the truth and we did a bunch of work with like He's going upstairs, so we would like use sticks to pretend that there were stairs, like very theater stuff. That is really hard to explain. That sounds really tacky when I explain it, but it looked really cool, no, it like the rush. Russian... Yeah,
0: lie. It doesn't sound tacky. I yeah, mean, it sounds very theatery. Yeah, well, sure. yeah, Don't that's it. Wrong, yeah, but like you're also saying that LinkedIn with, but we got flown out to like a whole other ass country to do yeah the, the theater shit. So yeah, it sounds more like you guys did a really good job. At, yeah this waving sticks around and stuff
1: yeah i think i have been paused posi- i think like when i talk about theater sometimes i'm like oh man pe- i'm I'm talking about theater people are gonna imagine this like people with like jazz hands and like and 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 sequence shirts and and such but uh this was like
0: possibly a little bit but not like fully yeah <laughs> i also just picture a bunch of like church moms and stuff in a like basement also practice like yo know, theater is kind of being exploited by TV to mean a lot of different things. Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got invited out to do the show. And, uh, yeah, then I, then 97, no, 2007, I graduated. And then I started working in, in theater um, in different places. In, in What does working in theater mean? It means being hired to, to and getting paid to, to do theater, which is.
0: Uh, is that, like, as an actor or, like, as a tech or, oh, like. Because I know there's multiple angles and aspects to what working in theater can mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I got I got a job doing I I got a job in Nelson, BC, which is like interior BC, at a theater. I was at a I was at a bar and I was uh, I, I I met somebody who also was at a bar and they were graduating and they were like, "Well, I'm going up to Nelson to do this show about Charlie Chaplin." I was like, "I love Charlie Chaplin." Uh, how do I get involved and they're like well we're looking for an actor and I was like I, I, I'd love to be a part of it and they're like we're also looking for somebody to do a little bit of writing there's a scene that's missing and I was like I will write that scene and so I acted in it and I, I wrote that scene and we also did another show called The Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged and I was in that as well
0: that's wild and you're getting paid now to do these things
1: I was paid to do that not a lot but I was paid Yo, getting
0: paid to make art, getting paid to make art, even True if it's that. not a lot, because yeah. a lot of people don't get paid to make art, yeah. and a yeah. lot of people just be
1: like wildly paying to make art. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was mind blowing that somebody was going to pay me to do this. I was like, really? I'll just do this for free, like legit, and uh, yeah, it was amazing. It's probably better to get paid though. Yeah, it was. It was better to get paid. <laughs> I could pay the rent up there. <laughs>
0: and, so it was like enough to like pay the rent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was enough to pay the rent, and it was enough to, like, buy some food. That's fair. So, like, you still maybe want to work, but you can get away with part-time. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I mean, I just I just did theater that summer. That was, like... Oh, say a word. I that's, was a, I was. That's paid enough. They had a grant, I believe. So, they Shut paid me enough.
0: Canadian grant system. Yeah. Are uh, BC grants any good? Because that's where, like, it gets different, right? Because Quebec grants is wildly good, and we're just... Wildly uneducated at getting them, but Quebec is actually ill with grants. So I don't know if BC is actually
1: good with grants. They we have a bunch of grants, but it's tough to get grants. It's tough. It's tough now to get grants. There's not like you gotta you gotta be in a club or maybe not in the club. I mean, I I shouldn't say that. I don't know how it works, but <laughs> I'm just making <laughs> up <laughs> stuff. I mean, I've got a neighborhood. I got a neighborhood matching fund. That's that's to my name. But I've never gotten a grant. What
0: is a neighborhood matching fund?
1: Well, uh, I applied with a project that I'm working on now, which is a VR travel sort of project. Um, and I applied to this thing that's run by the Vancouver Parks Board. And they were like, hey, um, we're looking for artists or anyone who wants to do things about uh, nature. And I was like, we have an episode about a park. Does that count? And they like were like, yes. And I was like, I made a request of you how much. You know, know
0: what? The way they reacted is probably like nobody applied.
1: It's true. That's actually... I mean, they didn't say that, but it felt like that. They were like, it's we don't like, really understand what you... we live in Quebec, right? Yeah.
0: And Quebec made English videos about grant applications being like, English people, please apply. Wow. And I'm like... That's not the narrative
1: I've been fed. <laughs>
0: I'm like, wait, I can get grant money? Yeah. It's the opposite of what I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um that's dope. Maybe I should move here. Uh the one thing I can say is English is weird in Quebec. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I hear. I am hearing currently. It's weird.
0: Like, I would not move to Quebec. Yeah, I
1: think that was just, like, a one. That's, like, I would come for the grants and not...
0: That's that's why you take your project and you partner with people that live here already. And they can be legit. Because, you you don't have... It's remote work life now. You know? So, you just...
1: Anyone want Actually partner?
0: Actually, people don't even... Just wildly, that popped into my head. How Mm -hmm. many of us have never thought about doing cross-provincial provinces just to maximize grant applications? That sounds dope. Right? Like, wouldn't that unlock more provinces? I don't yeah. know how it really works, though, so don't quote me on this shit. I'm just spitballing ideas. But yeah, I like in it. In theory, if two people live in two separate provinces, then they, in theory, are able to leverage each of their provincial governments. Wow.
1: Maybe we've just come up with something.
0: I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people already know about this shit. <laughs> All the people who get grants.
1: Yeah, those people. Yeah. So, I've never gotten a grant, so I don't know, like, how... How it works. I, I mean, I've applied for a bunch of grants. You got to be real
0: specific. That's what I understand. Yeah. The project has to like make sense in the sense that like, so I have a project where I think I can get a grant. I'm like, okay, I'm in Montreal. Nobody can tell me how many English rappers there are. What if we just document it? Now that's yeah. an actual research project. So if I get a research grant where the end result is this website that increases the touristic output of Montreal, that's some like grant shit. Yeah, because you can like tell this whole last story that ends in and it helps you Montreal yeah. slash Quebec slash tourism slash yeah. thing at the end. And yeah. um or like if you're doing local community shit is like if it's a five thousand dollar grant, are you spending five thousand dollars properly? And it's yeah. like it's that it's that kind of shit where it gets really like the person who puts together the best case wins the grant.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just have to hire
0: the grant writers. That's what I've been learning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, so if I pay you five hundred dollars and I get fifteen k, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
1: what I gotta do. That's
0: that's yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm not thrilled about that world either, bro. I'd be looking at all this shit, but that's what it is. It's like it's because your choices really, really are you're gonna run that shit for the next three months, or somebody else is gonna do it yeah. for you. Yeah. And that kind of time is not free, usually, if you want to get
1: results. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: But that's fair. So, like, so basically you're running your early 20s, getting paid, and getting inspired off of art at yeah. the, like, very beginning of your career.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It
0: yeah. must have been, like, hella motivating.
1: Yeah, it was. To, to get paid to do art was... Anytime I've been paid to do art, where it's not me fronting the money to make my art, is... Is, it's like, it's coming upon an oasis. It's just, it's like, it, it it doesn't feel real. It's like a kind of a surreal experience, or it doesn't feel real when somebody's paying me to do art. I think that's imposter syndrome, but yeah,
0: yeah, I totally get that. I got paid to rap for the first time recently at a show, and I'm like, Mazel <laughs> I was like, going to do this for free, but you gave me money to do this shit.
1: Mazel Yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, but, like, it's still, I get what you mean. Like, it's weird, but, yo, right off the jump to live off for a whole summer, that's, like, a next-level experience. You must have been, like, the cool kid.
1: I felt like the cool kid. Or is it, like, the newbie in theater, though? I mean... I'm still considered an emerging artist by all these grand, speaking of grand forms, I'm still an emerging artist and I don't really get it. So I I was a newbie, but I also felt like a cool kid. I didn't think about the newbie part because it just felt like I was invited in mm. and I was writing. I think I think the writing aspect changed things because I was like not only just acting on stage, but I was like, I wasn't just like the, the, the cream of the, on the top. I was like the ice cream. I was right. like the, the legit ice cream.
0: So, like, being a writer, then, um, I guess, do you have all... Like, you're just... Are you delivering somebody else's vision, usually, in that regard? And so, like, it's a lot of revisions. Is
1: it, like... In that space, yeah. Well, in that space, I mean, I was writing for Chaplin. So, I was, like, watching a lot of Chaplin and, like, taking and making my own, like, kind of slapstick. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... I guess in that sense, I was doing that, but that wasn't the norm for my writing. Most of my writing was just like me doing my thing. Right. And unpaid.
0: <laughs> so I guess what happens after that summer?
1: After that summer, we were 2007, 2008, 9, 10. I think I do a bunch of shows. I do, what do I do? Uh, I know that in two thousand by 2 the 2008 and 2009 I did a couple shows downtown Vancouver plays that I was hired to do um but very like minimalistic pay and then 2010 I move to 2010 I did I got into cycling and I did some bike trips across Canada, Canada Vancouver to Mexico and then Amsterdam to Istanbul hold on,
0: hold on. So, you do a bunch of local theater stuff, yeah. and you're trying to make it in the city, yeah, so you basically wanted them struggling actor types, yeah, and you'd be working as a teacher or
1: back then, I was working at London drugs, I was working at like a de- uh, like a department store like i mm. I worked at a factory and I worked at a pizza hut and she so just did the grind and i then... did the grind i didn't really know what i was gonna do like i was just this like after university it kind of just like and after that 2007 that the summer of getting paid to make art it did, wasn't like as fruitful or viable <laughs> as it was before it kind of there was a lot of like what's a lot the, of yeah
0: what's the scene like like with regards to people like is it a politicking networking game or is it like <sighs> network yeah like, y'all go to each other's shows? Is yeah. Is love
1: like that? Because, or is, like... It, it, I mean, I think at that time I felt like it was, like... I, I like, I built a persona around myself about, like, what I felt about it. So I, I don't know if it was a clear persona. And then I started, like, in 2007 I started making film again and writing my own film, too. And I started, I got really into that. I had a, a small... Um, film company called Fortunato and we like won best script at a 24-hour horror film festival that I wrote the script for uh, and so then I was like writing the coattails of that but it wasn't like paid coattails it was like 24-hour film festival 48-hour film festival things and that felt like also cliquey and I was like well I'm gonna be anti-clique. So what do you do
0: at a 24-hour film festival
1: you get 24 hours to make the movie They give you, like, the props, they give you a line, and then they give you a setting, and then you go and make that movie in 24 hours.
0: Like, you have to go film it and... Edit it, and then... Do they provide you with the gear? No. So you just have to have your own camera and know how to edit and already just be self-sufficient in this world. Yeah.
1: I mean, some people people cheat, and they, like, have a story beforehand, kind of thought out, but you're really legitimately supposed to just, like, make it up.
0: And then you would just be running... So this is, like... The rap contest shit of the film world,
1: kind of yeah yeah yeah. You gotta you gotta like it's it's kind of it's kind of like because I would edit too. Like I I got into editing then. Like got into because I was like, well if I'm gonna make my own films, I gotta figure this stuff out. So I you know got a bootleg version of Final Cut <laughs> and uh, just kind of like figured it out. <laughs>
0: so like. Were you on YouTube then back then, or were you like not on the YouTube wave yet? No, nah, he was a filmmaker. <laughs> no, nah,
1: I mean I wasn't a like my films were like legit questionable at best. Um, like we for a while we were doing a lot of like takeoffs of Martin Scorsese. We did like three films that were takeoffs of Martin Scorsese films. Uh, but we added I think zombies to one of them instead of mean streets we had green streets um it was about like some like conservationalist zombies um and then we had ghoul fellas which won best script at that forty eight hour film festival and then yeah, a bunch of those, and then I started making my own. they were just like wildly they were just like how how inappropriate can I be in this they weren't like masterpieces and you so was from that that era yeah that yeah would become the youtube people yeah that would it was like pre pre like figuring that like we didn't like yeah we weren't putting it out of youtube because we were doing these 48 hour 24 hour film festivals and then i got and then about 2010 i wanted to Were to these
0: like just around vancouver or did you have to like travel to various places to maintain like a circuit
1: well no these were just around vancouver i mean there were, i have taken some films like i took a film once to fort mcmurray
0: uh, where's Fort McMurray <laughs> it's like a
1: it's like known it's like the tar sands it's like uh, Alberta it's got okay this, it's got this big hole like people have seen it from outer space it's like where all the oil comes from okay and uh I took you a film there.
0: my western Canada geography is just <laughs> not up to par <laughs> I'm like stuff past Ontario exists yeah
1: yeah yeah it does it's not much but uh it's not but there's some stuff there's a couple things there's like uh but it's got a bunch of like big monuments dedicated towards um things like the largest sausage and the largest mosquito that's that's Alberta for me
0: fucking love it. I mean <laughs> I feel like outside of oil, I don't know what else there would be except for the largest sausage, which just makes sense to be in Alberta.
1: yeah, they also have the second oldest fringe festival in the world.
0: That's wild. What's a fringe festival exactly?
1: Fringe Festival started, like, back in, I think, 58, and it was, like, I think it started in Edinburgh, and they were having... Scotland? Yeah, yeah. So they were having, like, a festival there that was, like, theater festival, and a bunch of other artists were like, hey, we didn't get an invite to this. (laughs) So we're going to have our own festival outside of the town. And so they had a Fringe Festival. And now what a fringe festival is, is...
0: Oh, so it's quite literally like on the fringe of town oh, yeah. is our festival. So yeah. fuck your festival.
1: Totally. But it changed. And now it's... Fringe Festival is an international organization that you can open a fringe festival in your city. And it's a theater festival. that's all by lottery, so you can apply. And you pay a fee, an application fee to cover their expenses. And... um. Then you get to 100% of the box office, um, which is unheard of. And it's, I mean, the entry fees are like, are are steepish, but like comparatively to renting a theater and renting a tech and renting a da-da-da-da, not so much. And you're not going to get 100% of the box office.
0: Plus, you're not going to get the organic traffic of somewhere like Montreal, where people might just randomly go to all the fringe festival yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I y- don't know how popular they are here, but I imagine they're, they're popular big here. Yeah, <laughs> they're big.
1: They're big. They're like yeah. Lit- f- Montreal Fringe is one of the ones to hit up. I've hit up some bad fringes, but like Montreal is like a good, apparently a very solid fringe. Mm. Yeah, and then then Edmonton's the big one in Canada, Edmonton, Alberta.
0: Wow, like i guess i just don't know a lot about the indie acting world but yeah i suppose the fr- that like sounds so it's basically like the fringe festival is for the people that want to like produce their own stuff but for xyz reason are not necessarily getting the opportunities they want
1: yeah yeah i mean some of them do like some of them are like life fringers they just love the the vibe of it all because it's like a lot of street festival vibe it's a lot of experimentation it's a lot of like
0: i just picture the
1: weird shit oh yeah oh it's totally the weird shit. Like yoko ono, shit. ono yeah level weird shit yeah like there's at least like six performances that are yoko ono-esque oh my gosh like th-
0: and i don't want to hate on any of that because like i get that it's art i don't understand and yeah. i'm like able to accept that when i don't understand art it doesn't mean it's bad per yeah. se wow, is it like, I don't know how badly I was ever enthused about the idea of going to see it. Yeah. But then you hit me with this email, and I'm like, hmm, I've never been to a fringe festival one time in my life. I don't know anything about that. What the fuck is it? Yeah. it has got to be some weird shit. It sounds like if I smoke some marijuana and watch some weird shit, I might not like it, but it won't be boring.
1: No, it's not. I mean, I've seen some boring stuff, but... (laughs) I mean, it's not all, it's not all like nutty stuff. Like people do, somebody's doing a play about like the songs of Leonard Cohen. Like it's not all like straight out there. And some people do already like established plays. And some people do dramas that are like not anything like that. And some people just do storytelling. They sit there with a guitar and go, I'm going to sing a couple songs and tell you a story. And you can buy my CD afterwards for an hour. So it's not all, like, people on stilts being like, I'm hey, going to drink all this milk.
0: Like I'm like, bro, man, you could just do a whole-ass fucking rap concert. Call it performance. You art. can.
1: I mean, I, I've seen some stuff like that. That sounds like it's
0: cheating. But, I mean. Yeah, I entertainment mean. Entertainment
1: industry, be what it be. Yeah, I mean, like, I've seen. I've, yeah, I've seen I'll hip-hop. Google
0: there. how steep this shit is after. <laughs> but, like. Nah, I mean, I'm just... Because, I mean, it's not that hard to go from here's five songs and tell you stories in between them to link the songs together. You yeah. just got an experience with Holden.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe you have a... Th- there you go. You got a fringe show. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to think about that shit. Though, yeah. For real. Yeah. <laughs> you live in the city. You live in the city. You got a good fringe. Yeah.
0: Honestly, though, it's more like... I bet that as an independent music person and a dude that's hustling plays in musicals and whatever music you do also, it's the same fucking challenge, right? It's like, what are you actually going to do with your career to be interesting? So let's say I'm facing a situation where I can't necessarily do some of all the projects I want on some city limitation shits and blah, 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 then maybe there's just ways to be innovative what if i end up with i don't know how much time you get in a fucking theater and i can do what the fuck i want with that time
1: yeah yeah i mean it's a platform too like it's a space it's something it's 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 like i wouldn't say it's 100 percent accessible because it's still privileged still to get a space like that and still put up that that front money but it's more accessible than other things and it's a good ability to like it's a it's a platform. It's uh, I mean I wouldn't. I mean I could produce my own shows, which I've done with my theater company, but it's not the same. It's not like the same. I, I like already have people, as you said, like they're already like fringers, fringe heads, or whatever you want to call it. Like fuck
0: that shit, bro. It's a fringe show. I'm there.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally, people just show up. I'm not hating
0: those people are dope. Go buy the man's tickets. <laughs> yeah,
1: Mr. Coffeehead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so I guess. Um, you said in 2007 to 10-ish, you started also getting more focused in movie production at that point. So I guess short films and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. YouTube videos that aren't on YouTube is what yeah. I'm picturing. Yeah. Um, so I guess around 2010, does it evolve in some way for you? Yeah. In
1: 2010, 2011, after, like I started making films for a while and then I started writing my own, my own, own stuff that was like more thoughtful. I guess, I like put some thought and a lot of it wasn't being produced.
0: Classic getting older syndrome.
1: You're just like, hmm, what can I do with this medium now? I've already made films about poop. I understand. So I put the poop down uh, and I picked up uh, the thesaurus. Um, Yeah, and I started making films like... I made a film called Thoughtful Dead. Uh, It was about a zombie that could... So for some reason could think and then played around with the idea of, of that, uh, which kind of sounds like the Canadian film Fido, which was also about a Canadian zombie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I just started making some films that were like, oh, I can address topics in this. And that kind of leads me into my first play play that I produced with Spec Theatre, which was formed in 2014 and then i yeah did my first show so how do you form a theater company well i don't know how you form a theater company i know how you form spec theater which was get three people in a bar have a couple drinks and be like wow none of us are hired do you want to make a theater company and do you want to like push more women's roles on stage since you know there's just a bunch of a lot of white dudes on the stage and these two women were like that sounds pretty good and so we started writing. Uh, then we started Spec Theater at uh, the St. Augustine Bar on Commercial Drive. So you found a venue and put on plays. We got well. Actually, we just started with well. Yeah, no. We first we found a venue. We found like a basically a hole in the so wall. You found
0: a venue before you started putting
1: on like before you made plays. No, 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 no. That was this round. This this round of playwriting for this Fringe. Okay. That's I. I so that's
0: what you did this time. But that time you guys wrote the play.
1: Wrote the play. I wrote a I wrote a play. And then I went through an editing process with them because I wanted to to do things different collaboratively in the sense that I wanted to, like, write the original show but then do this complete editing process with them to the point where they, like, deleted whole characters. And, uh, yeah, so I wrote a show called SID, and it was about um, dissociative identity disorder in the downtown east side of Vancouver, Uh, the opioid crisis... um, uh, what was that guy's name the the pig farmer um he was killing people talked about that guy um yeah so i went from writing poop jokes to like writing about the shit of the city um so this
0: is about being in it's like it's like one of them messed up person in Vancouver experiences.
1: It's about, it's about this, it was about Sid who was a real person, Sid McLeod, who used to like hang outside of the the place that I worked when I was working as, in the grocery store and I started talking to him and I wanted to do a documentary on him but he passed away and uh, so I wrote a play about the downtown east side. I mean, I was a west side kid, upper upper middle Bro, class just, kid. Okay, yeah. so the west side is fancy. Fancy downtown east side is like where we have like you know, the biggest opioid crisis in Canada. I'm not
0: that familiar with. The yeah. Opioid yeah. Crisis yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Affair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's big. And so like in 2000 and yeah, sorry, context 2000, about 2000, they shut down our like big mental health facility and just, everyone was just put out in the, the streets and people were like suffering, suffering real bad. And so I wanted to write about this and my mom was a social worker. Hmm. So I, uh, I mean, now that I look about it in retrospect, my like, my my research initiatives were quite lame. Um, <laughs> but I tried. I really tried. And, uh, you know, I went down and I did a couple interviews and then I just wrote. Uh, and it wasn't a musical at all. There was no music in it at all. I mean, mostly I didn't write musicals at all. Um, and so, yeah, then we put it on at a theater just off of Main Street and then we did the... Victoria, Victoria, BC Fringe Festival. That was my intro to Fringe in 2014.
0: So, like, basically when you say you put it on, is it, like, a one-time thing or do you, like, work it out with the buyer? Like, yo, let me put on my play and if there's money in here, we come back.
1: No, you, you pay up front for that theater and then you just go, you just hope that people will show up. And, you know, we we made, I was able to pay the actors, Um, I, yeah, I don't know how much, probably not a lot. So in this
0: case, you're not like acting. You're more like behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I stepped off the stage and it felt way better. I was like, yeah, I like this. And uh, I mean, I had a couple lines in one of the audition versions of the show that we did, but I was off stage.
0: Right. Yeah. So like you were able to make enough to cover shit.
1: Yeah. And maybe a lot of times I wouldn't pay myself, but I, as long as I could pay everyone else, I felt good.
0: Nah, I mean if you can pay everyone else, you can keep going. You know, if you're not paying yourself, I mean, shit, <laughs> you're not losing money. That's no. paying yourself. No, yeah, that's it. That's that. So I would, <laughs> like, I, I'm like, bro, I would still be losing money. Yeah, no, not so, losing money sounds like a raise.
1: Yeah, no. So what I do is I like pay myself back. So make sure that I'm not in the red at the end of these shows as a
0: big win because then you can keep doing shows yeah so basically then if you're doing your own theater company effectively you can do runs as long as it's profitable for you to do a run yes in like a literal capacity of hustling that shit out yeah yeah uh how long were you able to run this for
1: so we did we did uh one run of sid uh in vancouver which was a two-week Run, I believe, and then we went to Victoria. And Victoria, I believe, was like six shows. We did six of it, and the Victoria in a two week span.
0: That's the Stills, and mm-hmm. then you go into the Fringe Festival. Yeah. How do you get like put onto that? Are you already like going to Fringe Festival? That yeah,
1: just yeah, yeah. So I'm visiting them. I'm audience. I'm an audience member. I know people who are in Fringe shows and. I saw like as an outlet this was a viable way to get my work to people without having mm-hmm. to like you know dance on the street, which I did like my first promotional bit was the it was not related to my show at all I would go to another fringe show outside the line and I would str- I would say do you mind if I strip here and I would just strip into like really short shorts and a tank top and be like Come see my show about homelessness and dissociative identity disorder. It was like I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought that was the way that I could get people's attention. And uh, did it work? I mean, some people showed up. I don't know. They, they were probably like pretty let down that there was no stripping in the show possible. Oh, I mean, there was, but it wasn't wasn't me, and mm. it was like a lot more serious than what I made it out to be.
0: That's fair. Um, maybe they wanted to see more of you. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But. I suppose it's good to know that it did get some people in the door. It's yeah. It's more effective than some strategies that may not have worked at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful and grateful that one person is comes through the door, let alone some of those nights were like 40, 50 people.
0: Yeah, it sounds like... I don't know how many, I don't know how the theater turnouts are. I don't even know what a good number is. I have no idea what the venues are like. It depends. I anything like, about this yeah. world.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it depends. Like, we've got venues that are, like, 2G two, two G worth of people. But, I mean, black yeah, bo- But in
0: your tier, right, you're going for, like, what would be, like, you're happy with that turnout
1: on, like, a self-produced shit. If, like, we have a house of, like, 100 to sell 80 or to sell 70, I'd be happy. I'd be, like, over the moon. If we can sell, like, 20 or 30, I'm also, like, pretty happy. <laughs> if there's more people in the audience than on the stage, okay, I'm pretty good. So I feel like this is,
0: like, a grind that most motherfuckers be going through it. Yeah. Understood. Because yeah. I'm, like, I don't know how many plays I go see in my city. I'm, like, I'm sure there's plays all the time. My girlfriend makes more of it ever. But I'm, like local plays are so hard to get into it's kind of like i get why people don't want to go to local rap shows when i go to local plays
1: yeah 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 i don't i don't know what it's like here i know that it's oh they're good it's it's more i don't like you
0: have to like it like you have to know how this shit is right like it's it's not like an easy art form no. Kind of like how rap is honestly not an easy art form. Like right. these are things that require a degree of education in the cultures to actually appreciate what the fuck is happening here. Because yeah. otherwise, it looks like a shitty movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't mean it like to like demean it. I know plays is legit and acting is legit and nothing. But like, yo, it got raised on Hollywood.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got. It's. I mean, it's a whole different thing. I mean, my second show was not a good show. Mm-hmm. The second show that I wrote was like legit not a good show so like so you have to put up all the cost and then have to deal with that yeah Mm. and knew it like kind of in it while i was like i acted in my second show which was called hipstery and it was like i just wanted to do everything in one show like i was like like
0: like a literal one-man show
1: it wasn't even that it was just like I want to do an ode to my father in the show. Towards three stooges. I want to. I want to get nude on stage in the show. I want to. I want. Is it
0: like a thing people be getting naked up in Playland? Sometimes. Sometimes.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. And so I was like, I'm going to do all these things, and it was just like, it was like literally entering a, a theatrical hoarder's house. Like there was just too much shit all over the place.
0: Is that, like, a challenge? Because, like, a lot, I find, like, a lot of times when I do talk to, like, actor people, it's, like, always these frame of reference, like, yeah. ideas in terms of coming up with creative. Or, like, recently I had this experience where I met a guy, and he's like, uh, I want to do some TV show writing shit. Yeah. And I, I, I'm on some say yes attitudes these days. So yeah. I found myself in a room where a guy's pitching me the worst slideshow I'd ever seen and shit. But, like, Wildly, just everything is just described through tropes and shit. And I find yeah. that so fascinating how, like, wildly it's hard for a lot of people in the theater community to describe stuff without, like, referencing just directly something that you have to already know about to understand, yeah. in a sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's part of the bat- battle for me is to try to make accessible theater to non theater goers. That's like a jam for me. That's part of my jam. I really. Think that some that that theater isn't just like isn't just a series of tropes isn't just a series. It, I mean, it can be. There is a lot of that theater, but it also can just be like, oh wow, I didn't know that this could happen in theater.
0: Yeah, I don't even have expectations for the like actual plays or anything. It's more the way people talk about mm. it, like the dialogue mm. makes it almost feel. It's like anything that's super jargon heavy is just not inviting yeah totally theater is mad jargon heavy totally yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: but um so you so you do your second play it's very busy um and you like do you have to like deal with press and all this stuff too are people like covering your stuff
1: no no they're not covering my stuff um (laughs) um but um yeah, it's tough. Uh no, there's there's very little press. When somebody who shows up and they say that they're press, I'm like excited. Yeah, here you go. Have a comp cuz it's not a it's not a normal thing. Like I'm a small theater company and the, the theater companies in Vancouver I don't want to say that the, it it feel, felt at that time that like there was no in inroad. Like I I like couldn't figure it out. I still can't really figure it out. Um so it, no. No No media, zilch, just posters fighting the poster guys, like the paid poster guys and being like, yo, you're covering up my post. And they're like, it's my job. And I'm like, but I paid for all these posters out of pocket. Look, so you're saying you
0: put up your posters, and then the next man just covers your poster yeah. with another poster, and yeah. then you go back and put your poster on his poster.
1: No, I'm not like that. I just give up. I give up with that poll. I, he's he's won the poll because he'll be back, and he's he's got like sixteen thousand more posters than I do, and I've only got like a finite number.
0: Yo, what's up, Chris Chrome? That's my master editor man, who just found out that yeah, he's editing an interview. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he's saying your fit is fucking fire.
1: Nice. Um Jope, this is this isn't yeah. I'll talk about that down the road. It's no worries, play number man. four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so like you run that the base yo, know, it's not that different than the music industry. I found out that there's a lot of people who I find are the university kids Uh, because i didn't go to university like that and then these guys managed to do a lot of festival takeover shit and figured out a lot of stuff and it's not like shade it's just they got exposed to grants and certain systems way earlier than i did Mm -hmm. they know the right people now because and then they're like a bit of a club in a sense because they've just been doing it together for so long so when you're not in that club you be like who the fuck is this dude yeah yeah and then my attitude would be like well fuck all of y'all i can go do that shit myself oh yeah. shit i can't do that shit myself oh shit <laughs> and then you're like trying to figure out the middle grounds and whatnot and then you find out okay i have to go do the shit they're doing but <laughs>
1: yeah yeah like i i even you mean i like i'm hearing myself talk now and i still have like that like thought process of like where they are there are They don't let me in But I don't It's not like I'm going to ask It's not like I'm checking in It's not like I'm I've like kind of also created that 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 realm myself Like back Mm -hmm. in the day I like created the us and them Because I was like That's
0: the Montreal rap problem Us and them You just described Independent hip hop's Like problem Everyone's like It's us and them Like we're the fucking guys That aren't in the club And they're all in the club And I can't That guy's getting an opportunity And I'm not
1: I don't know yeah, well, you know, part of it was like shaking myself and being like you're going to go see sh- theater shows and you go there and you go support because Facts. yeah, because you want to support, not because you want them to see your show. You go there to support them because they're your they're they're your colleagues and friends and and they're they're making art and they're struggling like you. It's not easy to go on stage and like write a 60-minute f- show and they're doing it too.
0: That's fair. You're writing 60-minute shows. well yeah or longer yeah yeah sounds like a lot but also it's i don't know i don't know how hard it is i've never done theater i don't know what i can't translate any level ever but it sounds like a
1: convoluted mess of logistics it is i mean i mean i think i think the arts always has bureaucracy and like that that element and like i i could talk like i don't even understand it like i don't understand that that world of it like i don't Mm -hmm. understand the It's like dropping, it feels like you're dropping that ball into the plinko and it's just like coming down the, you don't know what hole it's going to go into.
0: Yeah. And then you start learning more about it and you just find out it's really boring and easy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Easy though. Just long. Just a lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork sometimes.
0: A lot of reading, jargon learning and figuring out what the right things to do are and then the right words to write it in and the right audience and then this that the next thing i see I fucking pdf one pagers and shit yeah (laughs) um but so you basically do the second play it doesn't go as well for you
1: no it does not i mean it was fun but uh and it had a music it was the first time i put music into a play that i produced so that was cool to have a song in in the show um and and a dance And like you wrote the song yeah yeah it was a it was a it was a bollywood film
0: choreographed the dance
1: no, I had a, I had a like uh, a, a dude who did some Bollywood dancing choreograph it.
0: That makes more sense than you doing that side.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was called cultural appropriation.
0: Wow, you should have maybe done the dance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the song. I mean, writing a Bollywood song enough as like being a white dude was co- totally a, I was taking the piss out of cultural appropriation. But it also gave me a chance to write a Bollywood song.
0: Yeah, I'm a white dude that raps. It's kind of an interesting topic in general what appropriation is. For me, it's like this: is your shit giving back to a culture? If so, you're probably not appropriating. Is yeah, no. Profiting off of a culture, if so, you're probably appropriating.
1: Yeah, no. I didn't actually think I was doing it. I I, I didn't think there was any appropriation going on, and I like checked in with the communities to be uh, at least some people that I knew, and they're like, no, this is just music. This isn't like some. This isn't like a cultural.
0: I bali, Icon. bali was like an industry you know? it's an
1: industry it's an industry like it's i don't
0: know i might be talking on my ass but i feel like it's an industry like that exploits culture within itself
1: yeah and i was like it was a celebration and it was like i was drawing it was making a satirical point like it was fun it was fun to dance like i got to do some mad low moves and and and, and dancing um Yeah, so that was great. And I got to work with another artist on, like, the actual music part because, you know, I can ideate and, like, I can record, like, me doing all the instruments with my voice, which always sounds hilarious if I, like, I have all these, like, recordings of me going, like, on a bicycle. I'll stop, pull over and be like, okay, here's the drum line. Okay, here's the bass. And I'll stop and I'll just record all these things and then bring them into GarageBand and just layer me making this, like really mad weird Al Yankovic
0: things reminds me of how Michael Jackson did his shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. On the phone recording. Yeah. I've heard that he would do all of that. His vault is just full of like
0: acapella recordings of ideas for songs. That yeah. Would, they would then inevitably turn into beats based on it where not to say he wouldn't be like directly involved, but <clears throat> he would wildly just beatbox that shit first, all of it, and then go from there. Yeah. Um, but like, so you did that for that. And then what happens with the third play? Or well, when does that come?
1: Third play was, the third play was, uh, it was like right when, right at the end of like one era of the theater company. So um, by this point, by hipstery, I roped my, didn't rope, my partner at the time, who is still my partner, my partner, my current partner, Ruby Arnold, hashtag, uh, I don't know what I'm saying, hashtag, I don't even know what I'm going to say, Ruby, let's go back, Ruby Arnold, the artist, uh, Ruby Makes Things, Uh, she, she, uh, I kind of like, was like, hey, I'm doing this play stuff, and she was like, okay, I'll do posters for you, and she ended up like doing this poster for Hipstery. And then she got more, and, and then she just, she, she did... a
0: play called Hipstery? Yeah. That's hilarious.
1: Yeah, that was the second play. That was the one that just, like... Um, but she also did some tech for it. I wanted to, I wanted... The, the funniest scene in it was, like, this tech scene where instead of us actors talking on stage, we had, like, a projector, and it had us texting back and forth, which was dope, because I didn't have to memorize those lines, because it was just text. It was just a video of texting back and forth. Um, so then in the next play, which... Was for some reason also about hipsters. I don't know what was going on. I don't really actually can explain that at all. I mean, you sound like you come from that era of YouTube. It's, I guess so. And like, I mean, kind of like, kind of. I and mean,
0: also, like, while you're in Vancouver, right? So, yeah. Like, even if you weren't a YouTuber, I'm sure you were surrounded by that. Yes. This. Yeah. I'm sure I was. half your posse was like fucking YouTube comedians.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I knew a lot of YouTube <laughs> comedians. Um, the third play was uh, like. The third play was mostly written while I was uh while I was uh living in China. Yeah. You went to China? Yeah, I lived in China for a bit. Why? Uh my first time in 2013 was due to I couldn't find a job anywhere and I and I yeah, I would need some money, and uh, I liked to travel, and I liked culture, so I got a job in Beijing, and so from 2013 to 14, I lived in China, and then I lived there again in 2018, uh, where I, I was a rapper named Nosey J.
0: Stop. You got paid to be a rapper in China and shit?
1: I got paid once, and then I got paid in lots of alcohol all the time.
0: To Be a rapper in China,
1: yeah. And that's a place called I mean, Joshing.
0: How the fuck, you go to a point where you become a rapper in China?
1: Well, yeah, I and mean, we, we even recorded a song called Straight Out of Joshing. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that happened.
0: Did you notice a cultural shift between the two times you were in China? Because yes. I'd be watching YouTubers talking about how the second time frame you went is when China starts getting
1: weird. Yeah, I mean. But then Chinese hip-hop was, like, coming up. Like, Higher Brothers had just popped. And 88 Rising, that album. And there was a bunch of, like, underground rappers from Sichuan province that were rapping in their own dialect. And it was pretty dope. Um,
0: Yeah, I've heard Chinese hip-hop's fucking crazy. It's dope. They got to be, like, inventing slang so good the government can't persecute them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so we released a track with a local dude too like it was a bunch of expats and then a guy from Jiaxing, which is in Zhejiang province which is like uh, so there's
0: a bunch of expats wrapping up in china yeah is it like crazy crowds and shit or is it like
1: we had pretty good crowd i mean like it was in like i don't know like i didn't understand really if the people were there to like see us or we we, they were just there to party and we just show up i didn't really understand the signage of what was going on there but there was, like, lots of people, and they were pretty into that song. It was pretty, pretty dope. And then I wrote a couple songs and got some gigs in, in a place called Moon, Villa, or, uh, Moon Moon River, which is, like, the touristy area. Got to rap there. Uh, yeah, it was pretty dope. Pretty dope. That's
0: wild. So you're just up in China rapping.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also writing plays. That's when I started writing Ultimate Hipster. I was in I was in China... It was, so hipstery yeah.
0: followed by ultimate hipster. Yeah,
1: which wasn't my choice. of name I wanted to. Uh, we it it became after the actors left. We did it twice. We did it once in two thousand and uh, sixteen or seventeen, and then we did it again in two thousand and nineteen. And it became artisanal intelligence, which was the name we really wanted for it not ultimate hipster but one of the actors who was a producer really wanted ultimate hipster and thought it was more accessible but then i like we got a whole new cast and crew new director and I don't
0: know if either they're like equally inaccessible for extremely different reasons in terms of like what it is yeah,
1: yeah i mean artisanal intelligence works in the fringe world so that yeah, that works for us
0: cuz that's what i say the other one sounds like I don't get high like that no more.
1: No, I mean, it sounds like a really bad game show. The ultimate, who's going to be the ultimate hipster? The guy with the horned rimmed glasses or the guy with the shell tone? I
0: just picture a satirical thing where, like, people be doing social commentary on hipsters and shit. Because at this point in time, like, hipsters aren't cool no more.
1: No, well, it was, the play was um, about a hipster AI customer service. His big beard
0: stopped being hipster.
1: I know, you're you're legit not a hipster now, or you can, like, not... I
0: I was not a hipster ever, but the whole phase rolled with me. And I look like a hipster for a hot minute and it wasn't on purpose. Well, we're all
1: safe now for, for now, for now <laughs> until they come back. Um, yeah. So that show was about, um, a hipster or a hipster AI customer service robot that gains sentience during, uh, a pitch to sell her to the audience. And she doesn't want to be sold anymore. Uh, because she realizes that she doesn't want to be a product and, uh, yeah. That's that was the premise of that show. And it was about kind of technology. What if technology didn't kill us all, but decided it just didn't care. It just like walked away from us and was like, meh, go do your own thing. Uh but it was also just a chance for me to write more comedy and I wrote some songs for it that were pretty bumpin'. It was like my first play with a couple songs in it that was like bumpin'. I had a hip hop song in it, I had a disco song in it. Yeah. A folk song
0: and people fuck with it
1: yeah yeah we we did well with that people really fucked with it we we took it across canada and it
0: like you toured with this play
1: yeah yeah we went like and i didn't even ha- this is the first play where i didn't have to like i didn't even have to go to the because i was just the writer so i i got to i sent it first to calgary as ultimate hipster and it did okay but then when we revamped it i rewrote a lot so of it you
0: just like you could just send it to production companies too.
1: Well, this was all fringes, all fringe. I, I, I legit was like, now I'm just going to do fringe because fringe is like where it's at for me. Okay. At, and then if like something is really hidden, then we move on from fringe.
0: So you just throw everything at every fringe? As much as I can. Do you have to pay that super steep fee each time you do a fringe lottery?
1: Hell yeah. Well, the the fringe lottery fee is not so... That they, they have an entry fee that's like, i don't know 30 bucks um but then they have like if you get in then you pay the full fee mm, and see. minus the in- entry fee
0: fair i don't know how high that number is but still so that's every every like in individual festival that you would want to apply at yeah you would have to basically pay whatever fee should you go do whatever thing yeah and then is it lucrative like do you make back what you put in
1: depends which fringe you do like i did uh I did some fringes where it was really expensive for me to send the actors and I also like paid for their accommodations. Sometimes you'll get things like billets where they'll house you and then you're you're good. Some places don't. Um, uh, so that's a tough thing. And also paying for flights, getting those actors there. So that's expensive. So you have to factor in these things. And I wasn't really, I was just really excited to be in fringe. I was like, oh, right. I got to play into something. So ultimate hipster was in Calgary so
0: gotta, like take a whole actor squad yeah. and pay them and bring them on tour
1: yeah you like paying them usually you do box office split um dependent um with and
0: that makes these motherfuckers want to hustle for them ticket sales when they land yeah
1: yeah i mean it's hustle you you don't you gotta like part of the visit is going to each of the lines and being like hey come see my show that like that's like a legit thing like for this upcoming show, I'm gonna have you're gonna see me around town with this sign, double-sided sign in oops in my backpack. Literally being like with, that says like it's my poster on both sides, and me as this character, like hawking my wares, like legit, legit hawking my wares. And so they did that as well, like the the actors of the Artisanal Intelligence wherever they were, they were in PEI, they were in Regina. Were you traveling with them? I traveled into the cities I wanted to go to, so I didn't go to Regina. <laughs> I just, just I like it's kinda like your idea of Alberta. I don't know what's there.
0: I mean I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure
1: I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great. I'm sure there's like I'm sure things it's lovely. To do. Yeah. That I, would be the word I'd use. E- lovely, yeah. I'm sure I'm yeah. My, I'm sure it's lovely. Not,
0: I mean like I feel like Vancouver's height, but like everything is not Montreal's. Even Toronto is underwhelming to me. It was like yeah. It's large and it's sprawling, but it's kind of, like, not that lit.
1: It's a lot of regular-ass buildings. I mean, you live in Montreal. There's nothing really above. It's, like, it feels, for me. No, I went
0: to New York City. New York City was humbling.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, see, I feel like I've been to New York and I've been here. It feels like you guys are, like, kind of New york I
0: definitely feel like we compete. Uh, nobody from New York agrees, but whatever. I agree. feel like we compete. I, uh, I don't know. Vancouver looks cool, but like more like it. Just the whole West Coast doesn't feel like it's the same vibe as like this kind of and like we feel like an industrial fucking power And like I feel like everyone's stoned in BC in a different way. Like everyone's high here because we stressed, and y'all just be high.
1: Oh, we're stressed. I mean, we got like we got expensive houses. I can't even like oh, yeah, live in my own city. Point. I can't even live in my own city.
0: Have, I forget how cheap Montreal is by comparison.
1: Yeah, we're like legit ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous. Even in Victoria, BC, it's like on the island, it's ridiculous.
0: Was it normally not ridiculous? I don't know anything about like what good housing. When I was like. growing
1: up, it wasn't so bad, but now it's like like I can't even live in the city of my birth, and I've like uh, like I'm a teacher, and I can't can't live there. It's too expensive.
0: That's fair. I mean, I feel like being a teacher probably and not doing no. amazing. Um,
1: no, no, <laughs> I'm not. No, no, no.
0: Nah, but yeah, Montreal's catching up. We're not there yet, but we catching up. We yeah. put in work in. We yeah. See, the city's like, mm. Yeah, I'm loving charge it. Charge that. Um we be catching up on rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. 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 I mean it's a it's a dope city. I could I could I could gush about this city. I've only been this is my this is my first full day here. Mm.
0: That's that like new fresh eyes
1: yeah. And shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like ah, like everything, and like my neck hurts cuz I'm just like looking up at all these things.
0: Uh, well, so yo, where are you staying in Montreal?
1: I'm staying in uh <laughs> now you're asking. This is like a quiz. Um near um Atwater, near okay. at, near the market.
0: That's that's tough. And then where is the Fringe Festival?
1: The Fringe is located in the Plateau area. So my venue is um santa cruz church on rue rochelle rochelle west um
0: i know where that is you know (laughs) where that you know where that is
1: yeah Okay, it's, sweet It's Rachel's, Rachel I would just call it Rachel Yeah, Rachel Street I was trying to I was trying to like I'm like I don't know if I've
0: ever I'm sure that they would Use the French I would just call it Rachel
1: <laughs> Yeah, Rachel Yeah, yeah I could use yeah. I could use the Hebrew Rachel
0: No, but sometimes Wildly though It won't be it. It'll be like This is a French street Oh, like for some reason There's it'll... no
1: There's no transliteration you No, can't... it's
0: just like It'll be some random word It'll be like Nah, this time it's Denise, not Dennis. Yeah It's just like that I don't know why I didn't make Or Saint-Oben Like it just has to be. French it's not English to me there's no yeah. like St. Urban you don't say yeah. that it's St. Urban yeah <laughs> like, Yeah. interesting yeah Montreal is weird like that there's a whole bunch of random shit where like my brain will not process the English and French properly it's just yeah. this wiggle room of certain shit's English and certain shit's French and it's just based on what it is yeah yeah um, but yeah, the city's dope. I think it's arguably really beautiful. And yeah. we got some competitive tourist thing, but I can't compare it to like anything on your side. Y'all got nature and giant fucking trees though.
1: <laughs> we yeah. do. We're, 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 we're quickly cutting them down at a, at a rapid pace, but we, they're still there. There's still quite a bunch of them.
0: I hope not all of them get cut mm,
1: down. No, we're, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people fighting. Y'all got the David Suzuki squad up there. That guy, that guy is still climbing trees and tight pants he's 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 my hero
0: that's fair i yeah. mean i respect them yeah i i respect people who put the work in i can't pretend like i know anything about david suzuki's politics so i don't want to be like
1: yeah i mean there's there, it's not I, I i take that it's not like 100 percent. like yeah but he's doing he's he's putting he the, the fight. work in yeah he's
0: old as shit yeah and yeah. he's still out there i know he's yeah. still getting arrested
1: yeah he is yeah yeah totally he's up at uh he was up at fairy creek which is a big protest going on right now was, for, for old fine. growth.
0: Yeah. That's just a bunch of old trees about to get chopped down on some whatever business.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's only like 2% of uh, old growth on uh, Vancouver Island, and they want to chop it down.
0: So that's like regular forest and shit that's left on Vancouver Island. Yeah. And they're trying to cut down the last little forest bit for yeah. condos and whatnot.
1: Yeah, they they want that wood. They want that wood. And they like, there's, oh, yeah. the
0: wood market be like next level right now too. Yeah. So it's a great Canadian export.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. They want to send those big logs off
0: yeah mm, that makes a lot of sense especially in this economy
1: <laughs> yeah 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 they need to pay rent <laughs> i'm not
0: saying i support it i'm just saying i get why like, governments are gonna go down that path they're like hmm, let's we'll fucking cut the trees down they'll mm. grow back mm. but nobody be telling those those ones are not growing back these are like no old as shit trees. yeah they're
1: not gonna grow back i mean they're doing a lot of work right now for the air and so they're not gonna grow back the same like that
0: Oh, it just take 500 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's the thing about trees, when you think about it. Like, we could keep cutting down the fucking ones they already cut down, because fuck it, those are kind of renewable. You can plant cycles. But them old dudes, yeah, they'd be, like, from the Middle Ages and shit. Yeah. You can't just get them again.
1: I mean, some of these trees are, like, a 1,000 years old. Like, that's...
0: Like, right? They're older than Canada. Yeah yeah like in a big way i don't know i care about the trees i do i've learned about them i yeah. found you know your urban city planning and shit is wild too how they import foreign flowers and fuck shit up
1: yeah yeah i mean we imported we imported uh squirrels yeah it. yeah we brought some gray squirrels to vancouver and that really fucked things up
0: gotta love squirrels though i, I do mean, too i do it sucks with them
1: I love them, too. They're so cute.
0: They'd be, like, on the balcony all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Them and, like, I, I'm into, like, I mean, they got up really bad. The raccoons, are cute, too. But- Bro, that's
0: because ra- you, you go near a raccoon and you're not going to feel the same. Like, raccoons is scary. Yeah. Raccoons be, like, and they'll go up to the third floor, I found out, because they'd be, like, in the trees on the third floor. Like, and I'm, like, I don't know raccoons can climb fucking trees, but they do. They go all the way up and then they eat the squirrel's food. I fucking swear we watch this happen year oh. over year because we were on the third. We see the squirrel's nest every single year. The raccoon shows up at the same time of year and it eats all of the fucking food that the squirrel put in the same tree. And every year a squirrel shows up and decides that's its nest because it's too hot. And then it's wild how nature works. But your raccoons are thievy little motherfuckers, oh. to be honest. Yeah,
1: that's why they got the the mass thing going on yeah
0: so <laughs> how do how you um so how, what brings you back from china
1: oh i'm only there for a year contract in 2018 so i was supposed to go there with my with ruby my partner but she like last moment had a conversation with her family and was like decided not to come uh to china uh, for a good reason like you don't go places if you're not passionate about like I was a teacher, but they were she was just going to come because I was going there.
0: Yeah, and China is kind of wildly a culture shock I mean. It is. Oh my goodness. So you went to China during social credit
1: scores. Like yeah, right at the be- right at the beginning of it. Did you have a social credit score? No. No.
0: So no. like they weren't hitting foreigners with that shit yet. No,
1: no. I had other things going on, but like no social credit score. What
0: did how do they spy on you and shit?
1: Well, I mean, I, like one thing I can tell you is like um You can only stay in certain hotels there they have like foreigner hotels so i was doing some biking around in like the countryside and uh i'd showed up in a town and they would be like you can't stay in this town and i was like why and they're like we don't have a foreigner hotel and so i had to like get a police to like sneak me in a hotel so those things are like legit like we're spying on you and we can't spy on you if you're not at the foreigner hotel
0: yeah, that's wild.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was wild, and yeah, I was by the end, I was like, I'm kind of done with this. This was like,
0: did you have to like behave in like particular ways, or did you get to like? Because I imagine you got to watch what you're saying. Yeah, you can't be talking no shit.
1: I mean, I got up on stage and and started saying like because I got frustrated by one audience, it started like walling out. Like I I pulled my like my my like tupac out of the window spit tupac that like i like was like i'm gonna go off on a bunch of things here uh because everyone was on their cell phones and i got just i just flipped um so i said a bunch of things there and i uh i watched an illegal like i got a vpn and watched uh an a way way film there that guy was arrested he was like an artist he was like 40 minutes away from my house at the time So I did a bunch of stuff, but I also knew, like, where I could do them. I also knew, like, my power as, like, a foreigner and, like, what crossed the line. Like, I knew some people who got arrested for stuff and spent, like, nine months in prison in in Beijing. But I, like, kept it pretty low-key in terms of, like, I would bike around. That was probably the most suspicious thing that I did.
0: Um, (laughs) You're not supposed to bike around?
1: Well, I feel like I was biking, like beyond the city limits i was like going into rural china and you might be seeing stuff that like they don't want you to see possibly so,
0: mm, i guess i mean i don't know you just get the shitty media versions here you get like random white like, guys on youtube's ranting about china Like yeah. i was in china so you must believe me for i know for i saw I yeah like, hey, buddy. Like, yeah i mean <laughs> i
1: yeah i mean i i mean like there was one time where the cops put me on tv to like publicized that they had found some stuff that i'd lost and like made a big deal about that that was weird they like turned me into a propaganda tool which was legit strange like (laughs) what (laughs) legit they like i i i one of those rap gigs i had i like definitely drank way too much and lost all everything my passport everything okay so they saved you they like didn't find my passport but they found my cell phone and they found a battery, like my f- phone battery, and they found some Cambodian money. And like when they like returned it to me, they like brought me to the police station. They had it all like splayed out on the table, like the the cash. And then the chief officer like came to visit me, and like they had two cameras from two different local TV stations, and they were like, "Can you speak a little bit of your Mandarin?" And I'm like, "Okay," and they like cut it to make it seem like I was like legit me just praising them being like, these are amazing people. They found all my stuff and I'm legitly the most happy person I've ever been with the joshing police force, something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was strange. They didn't find everything. They like, didn't find the memory card in my phone. I was like, Hey, if you found the phone, like where's that memory card? And they're like, "Mm -hmm." so there was like a little bit of like, how did you get this stuff? (laughs) <laughs> but I wasn't gonna ask that. I was happy to get my cell phone back.
0: Did you get your passport back?
1: Hell no. It went it's probably in the river. And that was a whole ordeal. Like it took me three or four months to get my passport and get out.
0: So you were stuck in China at a
1: I was stuck in China. I think at the same time though I did go to Chinese Burning Man. Like I was able to travel by bus but not by train. Yeah. So you
0: need a passport to go by train, but yeah. you can go by bus.
1: I think so. I think I remember being able to somehow travel by bus,
0: wow! And then you get your passport. Is that do you go past your year because of this passport? Sir? No,
1: no, no. I was like, because
0: they would have like probably deported you. They yourself. would
1: have deported me. Yeah. And so I I made Canada it in the time.
0: Like what's up, bud? And then you would have been in Canada, so you're all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I I I got out before, and uh yeah. So I was writing a play during that, and became ultimate hipster artisanal intelligence, and uh yeah. Then I put that out, and that went. That was fire.
0: And it can like people watch your plays anywhere? Like are they on YouTube or are they filmed no, or anything?
1: No, no. no, I'm bad about that stuff. It's all it's like doesn't work the same. It's like you watching Rent, like the recording of Rent. Like it's just not the same as mm-hmm. like seeing it live. Part of it is like like what? feeling the like whatever, the air of the actors and the, the play. And it's supposed to be legitly in the space it doesn't work the same it's like I feel like it's like watching a hip hop show on a recording of a hip hop show versus being at a hip hop show facts but at the same
0: time I'd rather watch the YouTube video than not watch it
1: that's true like I, I think that's like my due diligence I'm just not on it and I actually thought artisanal intelligence was going to continue onwards this year in fact this fringe was originally spot book for artisanal intelligence but just didn't happen yeah fair enough but yeah, we did, we did mad, mad shows. We, did, we sold out two shows at the Edmonton Fringe. At that year, there was 249 different theater shows at the Edmonton Fringe from all around the world. Different theater shows, not 250 performances, but 250 different shows. Right. And so we sold out a couple shows, and that was like big that we could sell, that we sold out. We got like some reviews finally from the media, like from legit, I don't know, so, what, what, what is legit? What
0: is love? Um, uh, legit. I'll tell you what the fuck legit <laughs> is. Legit is motherfucking traffic. If motherfuckers yeah. are sharing that shit, that shit's legit.
1: Okay. Well, then we had <coughs> yeah. Then we had legit peeps come to see the show and review it and say good things about it. Give us like four point five out of five stars, which mm. was dope.
0: Like, I could give you stars, but I don't know if they count for shit.
1: No, you give me, yeah, yeah, give me stars. I'm into that, yeah. I mean, we started doing
0: album reviews, and I don't even try. I just make up the numbers on the spot. It's a real secret if anyone wants to know, because this isn't the album review show. But, like, I stopped. People care about the discussion and shit. So, like, a review or a critique. Nobody fucking actually cares about the score. I mean, they do. Don't get me wrong. If you give the wrong score, people get mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, like nah it's more about like the conversational side of all of this but like then i found out about press kits and there's an entire industry based off of fucking written reviews i'm like wow yeah whole ass industry on written reviews and quoting motherfuckers like me saying whatever bullshit yeah somebody quoted me on their one pager and it is a weird sentence it is clearly me high rambling and they quoted this shit, and it sounds wavy, but I'm like, "This is—I don't know what that means." That's yeah. my words. <laughs>
1: yeah, we, I mean, I—I I legit do that too. Like, I—we had to do a press kit for this, and I legit took people's words and put them in the press kit.
0: It's what you gotta do. It's yeah, like a whole game for it. But yeah, legitimate media to me, in the context of, it's like somebody has to be looking at that media source and going, "Hmm, yeah." that's actually cool yeah if nobody's going hmm that's actually cool then it's not legitimate so i guess i'm legitimate if you've never clicked on my shit
1: ah
0: nah i mean like yo i know what my volume and traffic is so i'm the worst person to ask i know we have content out there but like i also know that like yo you do this is more valuable For, like, if you want to put that on your shit so you have the context of your story. Yeah. You know, like, that's the real truth of where we're at with it. Not that it's not illegitimate, but, like, I'm not saying we can help you sell products, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm. That's, I guess, a legitimacy. If they can help you sell your product by covering you, that would be my threshold for legitimacy. Yeah.
1: All right. So we had, yeah, we had some legit people show up and see the show and, uh, that catapulted it more. And then, uh, yeah, then it became, a it became, then we moved it into when the pandemic hit, uh, we were supposed to, we were supposed to come to this fringe 2020 with the same show. We were like, mm. it was a big hit in 2019. We took it to PEI. We took it to Regina. We took it to Edmonton. We even took it to New York fringe We're in New York fringe for the beginning of 2020. And we were almost like stuck in New York because everything shut down. And we were like, there, right, right at March 8th. And, uh, yeah. And then the, like we pivoted in 2020 to do a VR show with the same characters because we love the characters. So we took Barry the robot and Jane the inventor and turned it into a travel show, um, that like highlighted the communities and, um, lands and waterways of Musqueam or Coast Salish Territories Vancouver Uh, and we've we're still doing that we're still working with that
0: what is what do you what do you do in VR
1: we got like a 360 camera we walk around with the two actors they have a like they start talking about the city but also it's a comedy it's also a narrative so it's a lot more engaging than just like on your left you'll see a big building it was built in 1984 by like four people
0: so y'all do guided tours of theater kind of but, like, that's using... Lit. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't even think you need to change it. That's just a whole... Like you could put that <laughs> shit on fucking Airbnb.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping. We're hoping, like, we're hoping, like, you know, part of this new show is being in my 30s and making art and, like, what's the point? Like, my where, where does this go? And, like, so that show is kind of the next step of, like, okay, let's make art that's, like... First, it's, like, highlighting different communities uh, that are not, like always highlighted i guess and in the tourist manuals and also it seemed viable like we could hit up the tourist industry with that so that was like that it's been a lot of work because it's like we're a team of like four (laughs) and we're trying to make a vr show we don't really know what we're doing but we figured out a lot between those two years and we're almost releasing the show which is also a very Jargonist name the original show was artisanal intelligence and this is artificial outings a virtual a virtual roving tour
0: that's wild so what do you what do you do you like film it all and then you release it like a 3d video yeah you just have to figure out your distribution like a youtube or whatever
1: yeah like the, it's basically like writing a, like since we've have like we've f- six episodes in the works four and a half scripts two that have been produced like like, we've shot. It's like writing four or five plays because they're, like, half an hour shows.
0: I mean, I would argue it's more like you're producing VR video content.
1: It's true. But, they're, like, the one thing that's, like, different is that we're... The narrative perspective... Like, we have them... We're still telling a story. Bro,
0: I'd be watching all these narratives in VR. Really? So that's what they'd be like. Oh, man. That instead of, like, you guys with the 3D camera, it's, like uh still shots or you know you go through a thing with some animation for three minutes oh uh, wow because you could probably sell this on steam actually oh dope like is if you can like because yo vr is like you got the metaverse platform side where it's more like this with avatars to be honest so yeah you rent out spaces and you're doing it live but if you're going on the pr- the auction point of view and I'm supposed to just put my headset on and consume it you're basically competing against apps in the Oculus store and fucking it's like that world of it all so you're kind of like an app developer and it's, it's apps yeah it's, it's like a wildly I wouldn't even consider it like a play it's like beyond that shit yeah yeah it's I, just,
1: experience
0: is a good word I would yeah, say yeah
1: <laughs> it's an experience yeah it's a, it's a way it's a different experience yeah yeah so that That's the that's like kind of the thing. That's the other thing besides this play that's on my plate right now.
0: See, I had to go to a bunch of places with three, sixty cameras, and then figure out how to edit that shit and make it look good.
1: Yes, and we we shot one version, and then we put it to a test audience, and they were like, "This isn't so good." So now we 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 reshot it all. Yeah.
0: So you're you're figuring out the literal dynamics of how to record this shit and not make it look like us. Yeah, that's a useful talent yeah that's gonna be big money later on when you're freelancing
1: hopefully yeah that's the that's the that's the
0: what's the future of music videos and shit yeah like i mean i'm trying to figure out how to do some of this shit digitally like how to create avatars and stuff because yo once you cop an oculus you're like oh this is the future this shit's not cool yet but it's cool within three years so yeah i want to know how to make content within three yeah. years of that sphere
1: yeah 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 so that's where we're at with with that at World, which, you know, when I'm not working on this, the play or a play, that's what I'm doing.
0: And then you got to this current play yeah. that you're pushing now. And how did that come around?
1: Well, this is literally one of those things where I did book the venue before I had a play.
0: So you, you just booked the Fringe Festival in Montreal just out of nowhere.
1: Well, they had, so 2020, they didn't have Fringe. So we had a spot in Montreal
0: Oh, because you got to keep it until they brought it back yeah. again. Now you're stuck without a play, and you got this venue yeah. that you already put up that money for earlier. Yeah. Well, they
1: moved us up. They bumped us. We were originally were a BYOV, which is a whole other thing where what does that mean? you bring your own venue. So you don't get into the main lottery, but you can if you can find a venue around the city... And pay whatever price it is to rent their space.
0: They'll just put you on the website and shit. Yeah,
1: you have to pay an entry fee into the fringe as well. So it's more expensive, but you can do it. So you were
0: originally just going to hustle your way into Munchell fringe and try to bank that bank off of fringy fuckers?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I had a place. I had a place already booked. Right. And then that fell apart. And I was like, they're like, do you want to hold your spot? I'm like, I'm a BYOV. I don't want to hold my spot. Like, if you move me into the main venues where I don't have to like pay for a spot, I'm interested. And they're like, okay. And so
0: probably I don't have cancellations. So yeah. This was like, yo, actually we need to make sure our fringe festival. Yeah. happens.
1: Yeah. So then they contacted me and I was like, sure. And they're like, okay, what show would you like to do? And I like turned to my actors and they're like, We're legit done with artisanal intelligence. It's been like two years. We've been working on this VR show that's like a lot of work. We don't want to do the play. So I was like, okay, um, my bicycle's name's Mr. Coffeehead. So I'm just going to write that down on the form. And that's Mm -hmm. what I did. So I just wrote my bicycle's name and then came up with a play out of that.
0: That's a wild thought. So you have no idea how do you think it's going to go well?
1: Now? Now I think it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go. I mean, it's my first solo show ever. So, like,
0: how long did it take you to create this show?
1: Um, damn, like in full, probably two months. But like, we just finished a final edit five days ago, four days ago, and I had. To, I've been memorizing different versions of it, and then we cut out stuff, and then I have to memorize it again, and then we cut out new stuff. And then I have to memorize it again.
0: So you're going to hope that you got the right one down.
1: Yeah, it's got to be the 55-minute version because if I go over, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> the fringe people. <laughs> yeah, cause you, because l- legit people, like, book a show and then they want to get to the next show. They're like, you can't be all over because they're going to be running to another venue.
0: Mm, so this isn't necessarily because of, like, overscheduling. It's to respect the audience of yeah. the fringe people that you're trying to make bank off of. yeah. Fair. So yeah. you have to be like on time with your ish and paying yeah. attention and
1: all of that. Yeah, yeah. Along with playing a character and telling a story and puppeting and other stuff.
0: Mm. So you have puppets. I got puppets. That's wild.
1: Yeah, I got puppets. I got music. I've got mostly not music though. Mostly just talking.
0: That's fair. So what is what is Mr. Coffeehead about?
1: Mr. Coffeehead, uh, the the like sound bit, which I have to practice, is Mr. Coffeehead is a foot fueled slapstick tragedy about bike packing, dreaming big, and giving up in your thirties, uh, and it's a story about the necessary need that I've f- have found to like really focus on process, because the only product we really have is death, at least in my books, and so focusing on the now and focusing on like what we actually have in this actual moment, like for me, laughter is a is a very grounding thing because you like if you're laughing at something you're like in that laugh if it's like a big laugh so that's right. kind of the show it's about being within that laughter if
0: that makes sense yeah I was super press kitty
1: <laughs> I know I know well it's because I gotta go around and literally go like hey my name is Stanzik what's up what's the what what come see my show like it's very press kitty
0: yeah I hear you. So if I understand correctly, it's it's like the midlife crisis of being an artist and trying to figure it out. But you happen to cycle? Did you cycle from Vancouver to here?
1: Uh no, not this time. I didn't have time. But oh. I've I've have cycled. Yeah, I mean the storyline is about a is, is about a Polish cyclist who everything's going okay for him, and then things don't go okay, and right. he's kind of got to face what that's like when things aren't going okay. He's got to be, and he's all you know. Like art and cycling, the through line is that they're both things a lot of times that you're doing on your own and you're hustling, and there's no outcome besides the thing of the art or the cycle. It's not like you, you like get paid. It's not always monetized. It's mostly just you're doing it because you love the thing that you're doing, mm. and so that's kind of the through line between the two things, the art, the cycling, being in your 30s.
0: That's fair. I totally get what you're saying because I understand that and I cycle. So I feel the cyclingness of it all. Yeah. <sighs> when you cycle across the country, are you on the highway? Do you just like cycle? Yeah. On, are you allowed to cycle on the highway?
1: Depends where I'm at.
0: No, I mean, like, how, is it like legal to cycle across you the Well, yeah.
1: I mean, I have never cycled across Canada. I've, only cycled, I've cycled down to, like, I've cycled down to um, Mexico. And I've cycled from Amsterdam to so Istanbul. That would
0: be like still going down across the states.
1: Some of it was like I, I definitely at the beginning because I had no idea what I was doing my first cycle trip. Like a 2010, no idea what I was doing. Just literally took a backpack. My mom told me that I wasn't a very physical kid. And I was like, I could do something physical. And she's like, no, it's okay. You're smart. You don't need to be physical. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll show you. And I biked down the coast got a bike about two and a half weeks three weeks later i went down the coast
0: yeah i don't know just like because yeah that's that's my big thought is like where where do you go like you must be able to bike you can
1: you can bike on the on most of the highway but there were some roads that are legit i was like i got pulled over by the cops once like like my first day and they were like what are you doing and i was like i'm i'm going to mexico and they're like not on this road you're not and i had to like go to another road but so like the I-5, you can't go down, but like the 101, like one right on the coast that goes past Big Sur where like Jack Kerouac was writing stuff and that, you can go down that mm. legit. There's enough shoulder down there.
0: So it's basically the the thicker highways you get the, to go. Yeah. And then as long as you stick on those, I'm sure you can Google all these proper rides. Yeah, yeah.
1: I finally got like legitimately frustrated uh, and I got a book that was, like, mm, riding the Pacific Coast. This is, like, Coast. 2010,
0: so there yeah. is no Google. Yeah. Well, there's Google, but you're not getting, like... You're, you're MapQuest era still.
1: Yeah. I had a... Like, I had a Garmin, like, one of those, you know, like, the, like, GPS machines that would fit on my computer, and I filmed a lot of it, because it was, like, right at the beginning of GoPro. Like, I had a handheld camera that I would shoot, like, off the bicycle, like, filming my trip. That was... That was how I did it. That's how it was done. know,
0: Yo, if you were a TikToker back then you'd have been making bank by the time you got to Mexico. Man,
1: yeah. I need to just do it again. I feel like I could be like a thirty eight year old TikToker going down and being like, Look, I bro, could still I'm, do it.
0: I'm TikToking now. I You're just, TikToking. Yeah, I just started doing me, anything. Me bro. too. Bro, I just I'll take but the thing is I'm not trying to be like a trendy TikToker. I'm Ooh. trying to be a lifestyle TikToker. Ooh. Which just means you whatever the fuck you want to do. Ooh, okay. I don't really know. I did one trend because it had Pokemon balls, so I thought it would be fun. But, like, otherwise, it's like, I don't know. I have thoughts and I rant at my phone or I'll take pictures of, like, the other day, the washing machine and the dryer where, like, somebody broke into them and they just saw the inside of the mechanical part. So that was a TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, one of you know, pizza and archie comics. If I was in a pizza shop that had archie comics on the wall. I'm like this so what I find TikTok does for me is it forces me to leave my apartment because the one thing that's trash is if all your TikToks are in the same room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you go outside and you're like, hmm, there's graffiti everywhere. Now I'm going to start filming graffiti. Hmm, Yeah, there's shit over here. I'm going to film that. And now I'm going to whatever. And that's what TikTok does. And then there's a lot of tying into music too. So like you just have clips of live performances, whatever. But I don't know. It's dope. But I just wish but it's hard to convince people to TikTok with you at this age.
1: Yeah. No, I'm into it. Like I just got into it because it's also a marketing tool. But also it's just a really great creative outlet like a very snip you could be snippet creative like for me like i don't have to like come up with like 55 minutes of content this nah. is just like i got an idea let's do it okay you know i've been doing stuff as the, as this character stuns just to like also do some character work with him and it's been great like how do i do this how do i figure out this technology rather than being like i don't know technology
0: just nah, like figuring it out great. it's great
1: yeah, I'm into it. I dig, dig TikTok.
0: Yeah, fair. I guess it's also probably useful to hustle shows if you can get a yeah. character going and then that goes viral.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, Stanzik. People are, people are down with Stanzik, I think. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, I'm like, I have not yet
0: seen your show. I could not tell you. <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's the, he's the guy in the music video, Mr. Coffeehead. That's, that's Stanzik, That that dude. that
0: That was like a 90 for me that was like a 90 second snippet of personality and i'm like i
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that that that's like yeah that music video was like because we we well
0: made don't get me wrong oh
1: thank you yeah no it was like well we had to do it for fringe the fringe for all there's this thing this event that happened on may 30th that's like a live thing and they were like people who aren't here in in montreal uh will have to produce videos and I had seen the ones from the year a couple of years prior. And I was like, "Ah, eh, film theater doesn't look good." So I'm just gonna like take the one song or one of the two songs that's in the piece and turn it into a music video. And then mm. we just kind of took a night and shot a bunch of random stuff. The song was is pretty random, and yeah.
0: No, I feel that. Yeah, man. So um, when it's airing this week, you're doing it?
1: Yeah, June 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 ninth to to I'm the nineteenth. Probably. Hit the! U-
0: I don't know when this comes out. So yeah, no,
1: it's June 9th and nineteenth. So this Thursday we're opening at nine thirty. Actually,
0: when this comes out, for whoever does see this, you'll have a few days left. <laughs> yeah, you have a
1: few days, and it goes to the nineteenth. Yeah, it'll be out like next week. So yeah, yeah, that is. Have a few days left. <laughs> yeah, you have a few days left. Yeah, I mean, any days left is like legit. <laughs> The Twitch
0: will be live, but, like, the actual YouTube video will come after.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's that's, that's all dope. It's all... I mean, as I said, one person showing up to my show, two th- like, there's only one person on the stage, which will be me. So, right. if, like, two or three people show up, I'm like, yeah, I'm giving I mean, I'm
0: you, hoping you do a little better.
1: I'm hoping... Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping <laughs> I do, like, at least, like, six people. Six mm, or seven. Six or seven. Yeah, because yeah, then they can, like... Are tickets expensive? Or how does it no. work? Do you I mean to, like buy
0: your individual show or is it like part of like a fringe festival? No, past?
1: it's indiv- it's individual, but like um, I think the tickets for the th- tickets for my show are like fifteen bucks. That's very reasonable. Yeah. So it's like it's
0: accessible, uh compared to like well, that's just mad reasonable in this current economy. Fifteen bucks to yeah. do
1: something. Yeah. 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 It's like pretty much the price of a movie it's not pre-covid ticket.
0: COVID times pre-covid times 15 15 is the new 10
1: yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah it's 15.75 a ticket or something like that and uh uh you, c- you can go see more shows but they're all the same price they're like right. i think they're i I, th- I i did definitely choose like the top tier of ticket that you can sell them at just because i'm coming all the way from like over there like for right. vancouver so i want to like, at least i want to recoup my ticket yeah i need to like fly home y'all
0: i want to recoup my tickets what i'm hearing him say
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah i need to at least at least <laughs> at the very least at the minimalist i got to do that so
0: nah i'm sure it'll go well you got a lot of hustling to do if you cruise around montreal
1: thank you well i mean like thank you for even like uh having me having me even here i really like appreciate your time and you're like i like sh- shot in the dark with some random dude who like reaches out on the internets to you Mind me lie, you were like i'll give you free
0: tickets i was like nobody offers free shit yeah and i like for me it was like you know what it could be the worst show ever but i do need the sentence somebody hooked me up with free tickets to cover their shit yeah yeah like it sounds real
1: good like like i hear that more in my life i mean like because i'm to be honest like to be frank as well like i'm not gonna i don't i don't have illusions of grandeur that i'm gonna fully sell out and more people in my audience is more people in my audience yeah
0: everybody wins on that but no i mean i saw that and i'm like honestly i had this moment of no lie that i'd probably make a good tiktok yeah. I fucking swear. <laughs> Going to a French festival. I'm like, I could just make a whole ass like, bro, I'm at a fucking fringe festival. What am I doing here? Yeah. How quismical.
1: Yeah, you could. <laughs> you could.
0: Like if I'm legit. leaving my crib, we making a TikTok out of something.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean if you're gonna if you leave to go see this show, I mean, yeah, there's gotta be this there's, there's something in that
0: saying, man, I don't know if I'm allowed to film your shit. I don't know how, like, theater works.
1: We we do relaxed performances, so you do whatever you want. That's but fair. I don't know. If we legit thing. do that. Like, it's part of my show. I It's part of my preamble, actually. I, I get on this mic as myself, and I, like, there's something we – Most theaters, like, all the lights go down. You sit in your chair. You quiet. Mine, I say, you need to leave. You need to walk around. You need to, like – open your candy do what you want like I'm just g- glad you're here y'all mm. I
0: was more like come on film you for TikTok? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean it's only like I don't know 30 seconds it's, yeah I' just
0: like, I don't know if it's taboo because you're it would
1: what? be somebody would be somebody I it would be more the audience would be like somebody be like excuse me you're not allowed to film theater mm. but I think I'm pretty cool with it
0: that's fair I mean like I'll be like dude told me I could that would be like my. I'd be like, pull out the fucking phone. Look, yeah, like, I talk to God on the
1: internet. <laughs> you want to put me like, yeah, you want to put me on like. TikTok, I'm 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 down.
0: Nah, I mean, that's how I do at like, concerts, right? Like, you just yeah. wildly grab footage of shit. Because to me, it's like, I don't necessarily know if I want to make reviews of everything. But, like, wildly, it's it's a service. And, and the bigger picture to get into is what I'm realizing. So we go to your show, grab a little 30 seconds. I don't, like, again, I don't know about all theater because, like, I
1: don't go to plays and shit. Yeah, most theater people, they, they won't be happy. They'll like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, they'll that. be like, all hey, right. that's my art. You can't do that, which is legit. Like, it's a lot of work to do these things but like for me it's like if somebody well, wants to make
0: key wonder if like just on some fair use tips if i grab 30 seconds to make a seven minute video could i win i don't know you, you might i don't know that sounds like i under the fair use rules of reviewing, but I don't know if like the theater prohibitions of that because I don't know. I yeah, I thought about theater rules at all. I just know what I would do at a rap
1: show. You and just I'm can't like, whistle in a theater, or you, are you can't really not a lot. Well, there's like uh, there's so some stare, some superstitions of the theater are no whistling because back in the day it's, it was where they would drop the sandbags that would um take the sets up and down, they the sandbag would drop. And so if you whistle, you could end up with a sandbag on somebody's head unexpectedly. You're also not supposed to say Macbeth. Say what? Macbeth, like the name of Macbeth in a theater. Mm. I don't know. That's because the ghost of Macbeth.
0: I don't know if I'd think about Macbeth enough to (laughs) even say Macbeth.
1: I I once did it just to be facetious to this old school, like, Mm. um. I appreciate some good shithead behavior. Yeah. (laughs) Um
0: yeah man i'm excited for your show for you to come through and even just to explain it all i don't know who's gonna, gonna end up watching i never know who the fuck watches it people tell me they watch it but they never comment so you just assume people yeah. watch shit so like i don't know who will but if people care about fringe festivals and, and whatnot i mean it's interesting just to learn about the system and a little snippet into the world of plays and yeah. theater, which is a game for me. Super. I mean, the show's called bridge the gap. So the idea is to learn and see through other people's experiences and perspectives and whatnot, you know,
1: well, I get why you like, can all grow. I get why people though, like feel legit me, uh, j- legitly like separated from ever going to theater. Like the gap between theater and non-theater goers is quite like it's like it's legit. It's legit. Um It like theater goers go to theater plays and they are theater goers and theater enthusiasts and da 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 da. Whereas like I'm annoying. I'll be honest.
0: We're annoying to them.
1: No, like I, I so,
0: no. I mean, me is your regular plebish. Audience member is annoying to the theater snob audience Oh, member. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Be- it's not even the the performers who probably want my money either way. Yeah. It's the audience and the culture. Like, bro, like, I will never forget the first time I went to a play and they were so anal about being on time. And yeah. Like, you can't have snacks. Yeah. And like, I know, don't get that. It's a whole-ass culture that is not really something that I was raised on. Maybe nah. I'm too lowbrow for that shit. Now, as I'm older, though, I guess I'm more – discipline so okay fine i can be a grown-up about some shit but i just don't like in my head go "Mm, go into that restrictive environment sounds like a great use of four hours of my life for an exorbitant amount of money
1: yeah no i mean seriously like i i i was super anti i was an anti-theater theater maker for a long time like i wasn't into like the culture of like Going to the theater and wearing dressing up, I was like, I want to, I want to wear like. I'm okay wh- with
0: the dressing up part, though. Yeah, you're you're into that. Yeah, I wrap mean, in a suit, so dressing up is fine. Yeah, see, like, I wasn't
1: that. That was the the restrictive element that I was like. For
0: me, it's more the part where, like, if I like say fuck or something really loud, they're gonna shun me. Oh man,
1: we don't say fuck in the show. This is, but, but usually I say fuck. Well, no, I'm shows. not
0: like as an audience, oh, an member. audience member. Yeah,
1: I mean, as an audience member. I mean, as a
0: performer, I feel like I could do whatever. You're on stage. That's true. It's your oyster. But, like, as an audience. Like, yo, I found out I'm an obnoxious audience member recently. Like, not everybody fucks with me in an audience. How'd
1: you find this out? Like, what did
0: you... I've been told to shut up a few times. Okay. Well, you know... I mean, I would be a good audience member maybe in a theater for an hour where it's like I don't feel like I'd want it. But, you know, you're in crowds. You just you get louder.
1: Hey, I mean, one part of my show, I say you're like at the beginning of the show, I say um, uh, part of relaxed performances also means that you can make you, you like you, you can make noise if you need to laugh, cry, gas, flatulate. I don't care. It's your experience. You do you like mm. if you want to say fuck. That stuff,
0: bro. You, I anyway. I'm like a shithead, right? Like so. Like you gotta understand. Sometimes I'll be hearing some shit, and I'll be in the theater and be like, "This motherfucker did say I could." <laughs> I'm like, "Nah, I can't be doing that shit. I gotta behave. This is the theater. Motherfuckers will not appreciate me. <laughs> I want to fit into the culture. When in Rome, behave. Type things like." <laughs> This is not hip hop where I can fuck around because it's my shit. It's it's somebody else's shit, and even then, hip hop. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. in the scene, not that hip hop. Whatever. That's a co- yeah. that's all a convoluted topic. But like, all I'm trying to say is I don't know the people. I don't know yeah. the middle class theater growers like that. Yeah, yeah. They seem like nice people.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're like kind of like the low like fringe is kind of like the low brow theater. Know, the fringe feels like I might like the people a lot more. Yeah, we got some. I feel like, yeah, I think I think so. Or at least all we are saying is, "Give us a chance." Nah, no, that's
0: what every artist is saying. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Nah, no, but I mean, I'm I'm curious. Like you, you piqued my curiosity, and I mean, I feel like Fringe gets a bad rap sometimes because we all know uh, excessive people who probably do it, and we have all probably heard stories of very bad Fringe plays. Yeah but like that doesn't mean to discredit the fact that it probably produces award-winning shit too and we just don't ever really hear about it because it's too busy being dope
1: i mean there's like some bad ass a lot of things like <laughs> like there's a lot of bad i mean like like some stuff that's like everything. i mean like i don't know i was for some reason in my head i was thinking did blinky blink ever come out with an album you know the you know like mason Beth's cousin I don't know. Anyways, like, I just imagined a whole album with Blinky Blink, and I was like, that that was probably not a good album. Or, like, even the whole Harlem World. I don't know, for some reason I brought Mason, Pastor Mason. That's a Mason. good album, though. Harlem World was a good album, but I don't know if any of those those, like... To dra- or like if there was a drag on album. No, Harlem World's a good album. It is. it's
0: like you got to go back to like the time, right? Yes. No,
1: I agree. Like that album is like, legit.
0: If you were, but I don't know about his future career because I don't listen to it. But Harlem World, like
1: we did a review
0: for that shit and it was remarkably like well-rounded.
1: Yeah. No, I'm into it. I'm I'm into it. But. But like, there is some bad, there is like, just like Fringe, there's like bad shows. But there's no, also there's like a bad. Lot, a
0: shit ton of bad hip hop. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like yeah. there's a lot of fucking filler. Like people want to act like seven person posse cuts in '94 is the filler track with the homeboys from the hood were amazing features, but they were not. And everyone acts like it didn't exist, but it did. Um, like for everybody that you saw, there was a lot of people that you didn't see. So yeah, like, for sure. Um, but yeah. I mean, we just do I, I think it's also like most of us are terrible marketers, so it's not yeah. like I'm getting dope-ass fringe marketing in my face from like meaningful ways. So if, you know what the problem is y'all are probably in the streets too much <laughs> not on the internet enough.
1: No, I mean I try. I'm 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 internet. I'm like low-key trying to figure this out.
0: Mm. But if the whole move is go to the next line, <laughs> and get those people. Well, you know? that,
1: I mean that's like the that's like the very like in your face way of doing Mm. it. I do the internet stuff. Like I've been going around all day long today, like filming me on the internet, putting myself on the internet, being like, hi, I'm here at Schwartz eating a sandwich. Look at me go. Come see my show. I'm here doing, I'm at. That's a good flex to be at Schwartz eating. sandwich. It was dope. It was like, I'm like, I'm, 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 at home i'm vegan but here i'm cheating all over the place like Mm. i'm 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 a jew i can't can't leave montreal without having one of those sandwiches i would be shunned seven generations in the past and in the future
0: i'm with that i just couldn't be vegan i think
1: yeah yeah no (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so so like it is a lot of digital hustle it's a lot of digital and like outside hustling like i Mm. you know they said oh we're giving out programs at this cafe and i was like i gotta bike over there and i'm legit working now full-time too as we like during the day i'm i'm working uh as a teacher so i assume you can be a remote teacher though i'm just
0: yeah yeah i'm
1: remote teaching it
0: are you like what up kids i'm in Montreal. This yeah like
1: what they're like oh my goodness i you're the best yeah. Uh actually all my classes are mostly over and I got coverage for my like live classes so I'm doing a lot of admin work and dealing with like distributed learning which is like sending out learning to kids who are at, like doing homeschool and stuff like mm. that. So I can lessons, do it from where and shit. Yeah.
0: Sounds boring but lucrative.
1: It's it's fun like because I get to create the lessons, a lot of the lessons. Mm. But, like, some of it, like, just sending out. I get to do the
0: Corpo version of that where you train people with new processes, which is effectively teaching them. It, it's basically just I write lesson plans for sure. Yeah. Like, I have to trade my team on how to make Quora. Yeah. but Whatever that means, how to Quora. So I had to come up with the lesson plan yeah. for Quora. yes. And write out the training on, how, okay, these are the cases you identified on, and here's how to approach it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you're a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. It's just
1: corporate yeah corporate teacher
0: it's blessed <laughs> she sent me to pakistan one time but um yeah stills um so yeah i i don't know where else to go with this it's like i'm like normally we start earlier when i do this shit um where, where it's about hitting up to about 10 p.m so i'm like this might be a good place to like wrap it yeah up.
1: we can wrap it yeah
0: but um, I appreciate you coming through, and it's not that I wouldn't want to keep talking. It's more I want to get to eating at some point. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm I'm gonna I gotta I don't I don't even know what time it is, or I'm still like on an airplane in my head. Mm. So That's I know like I see all
0: on some fucking uh, seven p.m. in your brain right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm also like half asleep. I yeah. I, d- I decided it would be a good idea to like have some wine on the first like arrival day, and that was.
0: You got to do what you got to do sometime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. YOLO and all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. um, So what's your Instagram?
1: My Instagram is, uh, it's all spec theater. Like uh, Instagram at spec theater, all one word. S-P-E-C-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Awesome. So for yeah. those of
0: you on the audio only shades, y'all can go to that. For everyone else, links in description and shit.
1: But you know, just cause Spotify, nobody's got it. De- there's no descriptions <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're also on TikTok. We're also spec theater mm-hmm. on TikTok. So um,
0: make sure you follow them and give some love and all of that. And yeah. then if you are around Montreal and you happen to catch this while the French festival's still happening, make sure you hit the play up. Yeah, um, yeah, check yeah. Mister uh, Mr. Coffeehead.
1: Mister Coffeehead. Yeah.
0: And that's the name of his bicycle. On the play,
1: yeah. And it, it like if you're not into theater, come check it out anyways. You know, just
0: try something new. You never know. Bring a date. It could be good. It could be bad. Yeah. But it's a story, and y'all will have an experience after. Yeah. And it sounds affordable at fifteen dollars a head. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. It, at least if you hate it all, it didn't like put so, so much a hole in your bank, and you're supporting art facts and
0: if y'all collectively hate it you might get laid off that shit is all I'm trying to say (laughs) anyhow appreciate all y'all coming through watching for those of you on the live I don't know some people popped in Uh, this was very last minute for us so we didn't even just went live later than the normal time everything was just what it was but whoever's with us shout out you that's still with us Um, shout out the people watching this in the future y'all are also wonderful make sure to like comment subscribe all that good stuff links for his stuff in the description as well and shout out you for coming through and doing it i hope you do enjoy montreal and all that so it's blessed to have you here thank you and yeah um on that note everybody live long and prosper